What is it? A gun rack. A gun rack? A gun rack. Yeah, right. I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. What am I gonna do with a gun rack? another schlock and awe the double feature podcast that celebrates all movies from the sublime to the suspicious as always i'm lindsay wilkins and this week we're going live and screaming a lot about market shares or rating shares i don't know whatever they're talking about in one of the movies i get still get confused because we are doing a double of penelope ferris's wayne's world party time excellent sydney lamette's and also patty chayefsky's network so of course i have with this amazing double i could only have uh, one of the co-hosts from the sublime and always getting better and more wild i have to say with their doubles in the, the <laughs> last few weeks which i have just been fist pumping movies for life and that is of course the amazing brian kuiper hey how's it going great it's nice to be back nice to be back no it is nice to have you back you did messaged me about this uh this double actually quite a while ago and when i saw it i just did i just sort of smiled like that gif of antonio banderas just like go learn go back to the computer just being very satisfied that was like, <laughs> and I was like yes of course why didn't i think of that before that is absolutely perfect <laughs> well it comes down to it i was watching wayne's world with my family mm. uh because my kids hadn't seen it yet I just thought this would be so fun to talk about. And I know Lindsay likes the second one, but I love the first one and the second one. We watched that one too later. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just was like, man, what would I pair with Wayne's World? And I don't know why Network just felt right. But after watching these movies together, I kind of see it more. Yeah, it makes sense because I think people, when we get into uh, Wayne's World, people forget that movie is actually about public access TV. Wayne's World can be, well, we'll get into the ending when we get into the ending of Wayne's World. But it is, yeah, it is very much about uh, growing up. It's got all these kind of themes that are kind of baked into the the goofiness and the um, headbanging that is that is behind uh everything but i am so looking forward to it but before we get into especially i want to know how your kids but we'll get into that um in such a very 1992 movie but uh before then uh movies for life um i saw a pairing um i'm forgetting this to comparing but it was with beavis and butthead and i just went holy shit that is amazing <laughs> Yeah, uh, that episode should be coming out real soon here uh yeah. it's yeah we have paired uh one you know, a masterpiece of, you know, masculine deconstruction uh, 
along with deliverance and that is vivas and to america that's my <laughs> that's my joke with that you know it's because you know um so yeah it's it's deliverance uh and beavis and butthead to america and it was one of originally it was going to be uh butch cassidy and the sundance kid with beavis and butthead that but would also work <laughs> it would which i thought that was that i was just like oh that's inspired that's great and then michelle was like ah, but i i don't know if i love that movie as much as i as some others and she suggested a few others and i was just like it, it just doesn't work and then she said deliverance and i was like that's it that is definitely the one we got to go with um yeah it's even, i think that's even better that is than, actually what yeah. sundance, sundance would have been the yeah, butch and sundance is a weird movie i i do it's incredibly watchable but i get to the point where i'm like Okay, I find Paul Newman and Robert Redford two of those prettiest blue-eyed boys in the world, but there's a point where you just have to stop showing me their eyes in a montage. I'm like, come <laughs> on, guys, let's get over the folk well, music and let's kind of get into it. And it never quite does, but it's a fascinating, mm -hmm. fascinating movie, and you cannot stop staring at those boys. So no, no, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a, it's a great film. I mean, I've always been kind of bugged by the raindrops keep falling on my head of it all. Yeah. Uh, uh, it just hasn't, that just never has quite worked for me. Um, I mean, rest in peace, Mr. Burt Bacharach, but, um, it, Oh yes. RIP, it, but the, the, yeah. yeah, Mr. Bacharach. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, for some reason that, that is, it just doesn't work for me in that movie, but overall, I, I think it's a great film, but, um, deliverance is, uh, uh, revisiting that one was incredible. I hadn't seen it in years and wow, what a movie that is. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine. Well, I think he was like, Oh, you don't know what this reference you're referring to is. Do you? Cause I was going around um, and just, I kept referencing square like a pig and cause I'd heard it yeah. somewhere and I knew it was from deliverance. I didn't know what it meant though. So we ended up sitting down watching deliverance. <laughs> and when you find out one, what that movie is actually about. Yeah. This kind of amazing look at masculinity though, not mm -hmm. compared to not to be with some butthead because nothing <laughs> ever can. And, um, and then when you realize what that context is and the kind of what happens to poor Ned Beatty, Beatty is, yeah, I, I've stopped using it as a joke because you think it's just about hillbillies and school like a yeah. pig and then you watch it, you're like, oh, no, this is something. Com no, no. Okay. This yeah. is much more serious and much and more I, constructive than I ever thought. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to people hearing that episode because I think it's it's a really good one, especially the Deliverance half, because I'll be honest, we spend most of the time um, quoting Beavis and Butthead to America uh, because, I mean, compared to Deliverance, they're isn't that much to say about that movie um but uh i love it i unashamedly love beavis and butthead do america i think that movie is so funny and kind of smart in its very sly way it, yeah well it's uh mike judge yeah yeah which yep. yeah which is mike judge's mo you think you're watching something completely stupid and then halfway through you realize oh wait he's saying something <laughs> yeah know he was doing that <laughs> yeah he's oh man i've been going back and watching some of the old episodes with my son and it was like wow um the people are sort of catching up with that king of the hill how satirical it is but yes. um 
but Beavis and Butthead was actually really, really smart too. So anyway, it just wrapped up in this incredibly stupid package. <laughs> you know, my wife can't stand Beavis and Butthead. It's I... just like the worst thing it's like torture to her she oh, can't stand it i couldn't either i resisted until actually beavis and butthead to america um canolio mm-hmm. in my butthole um yeah <laughs> which a friend of my yeah i was in i was a little bit older but when it first came out i was all about daria beavis and butthead i thought were just dumb like oh they just sit and comment uh, commentate on how big the dick is in music videos which to be fair is actually quite a bit of it <laughs> but sure it is yeah um but yeah when you go back and watch king of the hill you're like oh shit i didn't realize exactly this i should guess this from mm-hmm. a man who ended up making idiosyncrasy and um office office space office yeah we space. watched office space yeah. last night and i haven't seen man. that in a while i need to yeah yeah <laughs> It still plays. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do remember the Michael Bolton joke. The yeah. um the, the pieces of flair, um, which again still gets actually d- d- I do quite a lot, quote quite a lot. Um, yeah, the, the pieces of flair. Um, but yeah, I, I need to watch that movie again because when I, I yesterday I was doing uh, if this movie fest, I was watching uh, Superman three, and when uh-huh. everyone realized that yeah. that plot is pretty much Office Space at the beginning, and we're just like, holy shit! They even <laughs> say that in. Oh, do they? They're, they're, they the, say um, that Superman in Office 3. Space. Yeah, they say, yeah, it's from Superman 3, underrated movie, actually. Yeah. So. Yes and no. I will say yes yeah, and no. Yeah, I, I, actually, I actually think Superman 3 is awful. I think it is so bad. I, I go back and I watch it. And it's like, oh, there, there are a couple of things I like about it, but overall it's like, uh, this is so bad. There are moments when I think it actually does work, when I think yeah. that you know, there are, I think are the moments that do actually work, and then... Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor is in a general, pretending to be a general, giving Superman red kryptonite. And he, it's, just, I'm just like, no. It's wonky. It's so wonky. <laughs> it's really it is wonky. So wonky. Well, speaking of into a movie that I'm going to try my best not to quote, I wrote so many notes yeah. for Wayne's World, trying to go, okay, just don't quote it because you know you're going to slip a Wayne's World 2 quote in there. <laughs> Here's what I, and I only wrote half a page of notes on Wayne's World because I had seen it recently. So I know all that. I was trying to, think of the things that related it to network the most so that's what i wrote down for it but hey i'm, Me too. I'm, I'm game with whatever direction we go in with it uh, i think it'll be fun yeah i'm just worried that it's going to be a, a vest of um quotes so i'm gonna do my best i'm already going getting three quotes in my head i'm like okay my brain yeah. is overloading already yeah but with that the curtains are opening we've got our best band t-shirts on and we're ready to headbang um mm-hmm. brian what do you choose for your first trailer for my first Wayne's world okay my first trailer um and i don't know why this didn't come to me sooner because it seems so obvious and maybe it's too obvious mm. but i'm going with uh the decline of western civilization part two the metal years the mega stars and the rising stars of metal I'm going to be a rock star. So I want to be a rock star. I'm going to be a rock star. Good luck to him, I said, pretty. Wish I was. To be a rock and roll star is the greatest thing in the world. Then you've got a thing called divorces, management ripoffs, fatigue, drugs. Rock and roll. Why do they do it? I'm in it for the money. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. A headbanger is someone that drives by in that car and goes, Melody! How do they make a living? Um, I'm a professional musician. I don't work. I can't stand work. 
We don't work. This is, we play music. We are not role models for your life. And why do they get all the girls? Because they have good music and yeah, really, they're good looking. And what about the groupies? I like to call them the fleas and ticks of rock and roll. My video is off, but I'm going to be doing the start of the rock. The devil horns <laughs> quite a bit. Yes. Uh, this is, uh, of course, the documentary directed by Penelope Spheris. This is... Uh, this is actually my favorite one of the three uh, because this was the era of music that I was into mm. at the time. Um, and so you have Dave Mustaine, Ozzy Osbourne, um, Lemmy, of course, yes. uh, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Steven Tyler, and Joe Perry. But the the central moment, the Chris Holmes thing, where he's in the pool drinking the fifth of vodka. <laughs> is is one of the most it's funny but it's also so sad and you see him self-destructing you know and his mom is right there and everything um but that movie is is wild it's so good though uh all three of them are great but i i'd never have plugged really into the punk scene i'll admit so part one is about that the Metal Years was what I knew, and Wayne's World, I think, sort of exemplifies uh, that era yeah. just before Nirvana came and ended it all. It did. You it know. was uh, yeah. It was everything like from the hair metal. Like the next year. Yeah, it really did. No, yeah. I've only seen the first one when they're talking about the punk scene, and that's because that's what I was getting into when I saw it. I haven't seen the other two. I need, need to because I think it's this – by the sounds of it and by the first one, it looks this like amazing look at American history through kind mm -hmm. of its alternative music. And it, yeah, and these um, kind of bratty guys who didn't fit in anywhere except this scene. And mm -hmm. uh, even though I hung out, no, no, yeah, I think I've said this podcast before. I always hung out with the metalheads, but I was way more into punk. Sure. So, because um, the New Zealand punks were way too organized and way, they would always give you a pamphlet on something. And I was just, oh, I, no. just want, I just want to sit down and chill. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with the metalheads, but I'm still going to listen to the Stooges. Sure. Or the Ramones. Sure. And that's kind of what I was um, doing and secretly knowing exactly who Slipknot was. But I was just like, no. Yeah. So well, mine was, yeah. my my scene was the hair metal scene. I'll admit it. Yeah. I listened to, when I was in, when I was in junior high, uh, I listened to an awful lot of uh, Poison and um motley crew and i i grew out of it uh thankfully mm. <laughs> i kind of grew backwards though i started listening to zeppelin and the who and yeah. you know sort of classic hard rock yeah era stuff and that's sort of my my thing i do but, the classic metal yeah more than i do yeah. metal metal yeah yeah and so now i listen to some of that stuff and it's like it's kind of embarrassing but hey you know, that is what this movie is, though. I mean, this movie just is completely that hair metal scene right as it was about to die. Yeah. And it's sort of a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, there was a debate between um, uh, Lauren, uh, forgetting the, the great name of the man who invented Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, Lauren Michaels, yeah. Lauren Michaels, that he thought that no one, the kids wouldn't know who Queen was. So he actually wanted... Um, Return to the Jungle in the famous car scene, which 
oh. literally brought Queen back and uh, had a yeah. huge effect on me. And that would have been so interesting because that fits in with that whole decline of civilization. But at the same time, mm. I don't think it would have worked as well. In, in the scene, I don't think so In the scene, so no. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't think it would have had that iconic effect if it was. It, and I love Return to that. I love that song. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, it seems like Wayne and Garth would listen a lot more to Guns N' Roses than they yes. listen to Queen. Yeah, they, but, yes. But, and I had never heard Bohemian Rhapsody before this movie. And that song, you know, it became a huge hit. It, just, it completely revitalized Queen. Uh, so, I mean, I'm in seventh, eighth, ninth grade uh, as this is happening. And all of this sort of classic rock becomes a thing again because of Wayne's World. Mm. It was pretty, pretty cool, actually. Because at the cool. same time as Nirvana was happening and the grunge scene, and I live in the Northwest. So, you I mean, just, that was our. You're yeah. in the beating heart of it all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, we all love that stuff too, but at the same time that was happening, there was also this sort of shift back to, um, I guess, classic punk, you would say like the Ramones, like the Sex Pistols mm. and uh, groups like that, but also Zeppelin and The Who and um, the Rolling Stones, uh, the Beatles, I guess. The Doors, though oh, I can't yeah. stand it. I'm not a big Doors fan. Neither the, am I. That, move, that, I that movie also came out, though. That movie came out around that time, too. Yeah, I know. I, I remember watching that on TV a few years later. Oh, well, I'm going to be a yeah. Doors fan. And then I would listen to it every time I listened to one of their music. Like, if I'm like, just listening listen to it, I'm like, no. Because if I hear it irritating. in the wild, yeah. yeah, if I hear it in the one song in the wild, I'm like, maybe I do like the Doors. And then I'll go and listen to them. I'm like, no. This is not, I, no. I, it's like there are a few songs that I think are all right, but on the whole, it's just like, oh, I can't do it. But I don't think anyway. Morrison was the songwriter that people think he was. <laughs> just listen to some of his rhyme schemes and you're like, oh, wow, that's really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but. <laughs> is it just because he insulted people on stage all the time and they just thought he was a genius? I'm like, no, this, no, this guy was just an asshole. Yeah, no, I think anyway. that, is, that is no, that is a great trailer because I, well, when I was a kid, I was very much into pop music, like whatever was top 40. So I think the transition to punk was a bit easier because punk has got mm. that pop sensibility. And then later on, I could get into like more classic, classic metal. Sure. But this is a great one because music is so like how dialogue is going to be so important for network music is yeah. so important for this movie i mean it really the, is without it there is no wayne's world and we'll get into why for some reason i watched two more than one but one really struck home of like oh this is why you get the director who directed decline of civilization to direct wayne's world because she understands yeah. how this music scene actually works there's like a yeah. foundation yeah. Yeah, and and actually, in watching, and I had picked that movie before that trailer before watching the sort of behind the scenes documentary on it. Yeah, and that was exactly the reason why they picked her. Oh, well, yeah, Lor I had not seen Lauren that. Michaels, yet. Yeah. Lauren Michaels said, uh, "Well, I'd seen the Decline of Western Civilization Part Two, and said, oh, she knows these people, and they knew each other from years back, and they also knew she worked fast because she worked with Corman. Yeah, so." they were like, let's get her mm. to do this. And it was just like the perfect fit. Yeah, it, it really, really is. Uh, for my first trailer, I am just looking. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to go for a really obvious one, but I love this movie. 
I love the guy who's in it. And that is, of course, uh, UHF, directed by Jay Levy, but it's really weird, Al. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. Ah! A man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George? How would you like your own TV show? OK. You get the drink from the fire hose. OK, you ready? Yeah! Open wide. He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. Take that stupid yeah, thing off your face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of the greatest movie jokes ever. I don't know why that works so well. Um, take that stupid thing off your face and he takes off the moustache, not the hat. <laughs> right. Kind of kind of got that Wayne's World thing of just really uh -huh. happy to be here. It's like if you just took Garth and gave him his own movie, it's kind of, that's what UFH, uh, not really getting the acronym wrong already, um, UHF, <laughs> that is what that is. Um, it is just such a movie that is just happy to be there. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I was a big Weird Al fan when that came out, and I watched the movie, and it just kind of puzzled me uh, at the time. Now I think it's a lot of fun. It's sort of yeah. this great cult movie, um, but yeah, a lot of fun, crazy, wild stuff going on in that thing. So, yeah, it is literally not even a sketch movie. It's just literally throwing gags at a wall. It's kind of like mm -hmm. Airplane in that way. It doesn't have it any is. structure. Yeah, it's just, is this going to be funny? Is this funny? Is this funny? And if you don't find two jokes funny, wait around the corner because you'll be laughing at one that will take you completely by surprise. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, parodies of movies. I mean, it's what he was taking it into, yeah. right? Um, yeah, oh, so, he was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so i mean the rambo thing i thought was fun and i hadn't even seen rambo when i saw those uh when i saw uhf mm. but i was like well he's not that far off honestly uh and then conan the librarian i thought was hilarious and uh, it, i did like the uh the um indiana jones going for the indiana award. jones one uh -huh, <laughs> the oscar, uh -huh. <laughs> oscar yeah and it's all just yeah. about public access TV and all the wild things that you can do on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's literally what it is. There is no plot. <laughs> I think someone it's... tries to shut it down at some point, but yeah, that's just, a, that was more of that plot is more of an afterthought than anything I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But that is, is, is my, yeah. It's, if you haven't seen it, it is really funny. Um, it has got some of it's, it's weird out and, I even love it when Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al. Uh, so I, am... I haven't seen that yet. I'm dying to see it. I haven't been able to get a hold of it yet. Yeah, so. he plays it really straight, like surprisingly straight. But then it just goes into some weird ass directions. Be like, oh, he's not just making he's because he is making fun of the bio um, pick format, and then it just yeah. goes way off the rails, like mm -hmm. so hard off the rails. You're just like watching it going. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what would happen if you gave Madonna that kind of thing. And so what's going to be your second trailer for Wayne's World? Well, okay, so this is a little bit of a cheat, I'll admit. Uh, I'm old enough to have experienced sort of the last gasp of the cartoon showed before a movie. Yes! Okay? I am also of that generation, and I do love a good cartoon before a movie, so... <laughs> 
Yeah. So the the episode, what I've chosen is a uh, a short piece. Um, so it's not a trailer. It's about so it's a little longer than than a trailer. Mm. But uh, there's an episode of the Beavis and Butthead television show called Late Night with Butthead. Uh, is this like on? <laughs> uh, hello. <laughs> this is like my show and stuff. I mean, uh, uh, welcome, uh, hey, hey, butthead, butthead, oh yeah, uh, please like, applause for Beavis. Uh, I thought of a joke before, uh, boner fide. Like I'm bonafide, <laughs> where he plays essentially David Letterman. <laughs> yeah, well, and then you had Beavis as Paul Schaefer. Yes, and um, and this is sort of their imagination, and then they go and do it for real, and it's terrible. You know, <laughs> so they're they're given you know the camera like like they're they're slightly off out of frame when they're doing their different things what they're doing is completely stupid and doesn't make any sense yeah and, yeah and but in their heads it's like this is cool <laughs> this is so cool yeah no you kind of have to be this is that's so perfect because we are talking about again just before grunge kind of kicks well grunge in seattle had been there since the late 80s as you would know since you lived yeah. in that area this is yeah you're just looking around and going a lot of people wearing flat all of, all of a sudden but for everyone else it took a little bit longer so this is just we're talking about a movie that is just right before grunge really just takes off everything whenever never mind comes out uh oh, no yeah. it smells like teen spirit sorry yeah so this is just going to invoke that kind of humor it's mike judge it's just yeah that that is that is absolutely perfect that is what you play before Okay, for my, I'm just going to go for another trailer, might as well, but because this is such a Chicago movie, I don't know how I don't do this without throwing a little John Hughes in there because sure. there's a bit of John Hughes kind of-esque. Well, all these guys worked at Second City, so I'm just going to go for Fur Furless Bueller's Day Off. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Why should he get to skip school when everybody else has to go? Syphilitic meningitis. He never gets caught. This guy in my biology class said that if Ferris dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Well, he's very popular, Ed. I recall Central Park in fall. Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Think he'll be alive this weekend? I can see him denying popular beliefs, setting off on some impossible mission. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. He does whatever he wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whatever he wants. He's very cool. And he never gets nailed. Also, another mu movie where music is incredibly important and everyone is talking to the camera. Yep. <laughs> well, actually, no, Fer Ferris is the only one. Yeah. They don't, they don't share it like in Wayne's World. Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was trying to think of fourth wall break movies, and the only one I thought of was Annie Hall, and I was yeah. like, that doesn't fit. No, <laughs> but uh, but Ferris Bueller fits really well. Uh, so yeah, that's great. That's a that's a great pick for this. Yeah, I mean, Ferris is kind of when you watch it now, he feels like a bit more of a dick, and you're a bit more on Cameron's side throughout it. Yeah, but 
um, again, I was sort of watching Mr. Mom, sorry, I can't call him Mom, and just that really dopey, he does, John Hughes really did have that really dopey kind of sense sensibility. And there seems to be this Chicago, again, this is more in the 80s, and this Wayne'sworth does feel kind of at the tail end of that, but this really kind of very dopey Chicago, Chicago humor like at Second City that of course would make it make its way onto which I think Mike Myers was Second City I know he's Canadian but I could be wrong I just assume everyone on um SNL at some point was at Second City was the Second City yeah uh yeah I know he he was raised in a suburb of Toronto yeah um but I I don't know uh if he did Second City I'm pretty sure Dana Carvey did though yeah I mean Second City is just without Second City there is no Saturday night live right um yeah. or lasting as long as it did because they just kept going mm. to that goddamn second city and going you're funny you're funny you're really funny let's let's go yeah but yeah but when you sort of look at i don't know i love chicago movies so much and uh-huh. when ferris Bueller is up there singing the beatles it's just uh-huh. that is kind of what you go oh this is why i love movies yeah it's sort of uh you know and it's funny because you know the 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 60s nostalgia that was so big in the 80s <laughs> yes. you know and now, and now we have 90s, 80s nostalgia, nostalgia. 80s and 90s nostalgia or early yeah. 2000s i've seen creeping in i'm like i'm not sure if i'm ready for that yet well i mean about 20 years off is about right yeah but i mean i don't i don't particularly have nostalgia for the 80s because i was there and it wasn't as great as uh Stranger Things seems to think it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was it's, not that cool. I mean, um, I never had the thing for 80s movies that a lot of people have now. I know I'm, mm-hmm. that's as controversial to say, yes, the 80s was a great movie decade. I love them, but I do love other decades more yeah. than, um, than I would the 80s. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it is this weird nostalgia kind of thing where people sort of kids are saying oh i like friends i'm like oh yeah i watched that when i was your age the first time around it's yeah, yeah but uh yeah ferris bueller is absolutely taking on that 80 that 50s nostalgia that was going through in the 80s but now we're getting getting into a movie that has absolutely no nostalgia except for one song and it is so completely in the moment of what it's doing yeah. which feels strange for a comedy especially one that still works and that is of course Wayne's World. Party on. Excellent. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning. Just outside of Chicago. Galileo. 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 In the basement of this house. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Party time. Broadcast history is about to be made. Extreme close-up! I want you to find out who these guys are and where they do their show. What is this? Mr. Vanderhoff, this is your audience. It's two chimps on a Davenport in a basement. Here I am. What's the contract for $5,000? Excuse me? Now, they're on their way. No way! Way! To fade. Will you still love me when I'm in my carbohydrate sequin jumpsuit? Young girls in white cotton panties, bloated, purple, dead on a toilet face. To fortune. Contractor knows. I will not bow to any sponsor. To babe heaven. Every time you see this one incredible woman, you, you think you're gonna hurl. I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If you spew and she bolts, 
It was never meant to be. Assume, so, assume that is the, you know, the, the subtitle for Wayne's World. Now, I know off camera we boasted we saw this in a theater in 1992. Mm-hmm. Were you and did you already know this character from SNL or was this? I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, it was one of those things where, um, I was, I, I, I swear I was, I remember going to see it on the last day of school mm. uh, with a group of friends and I could have sworn it was my uh, sixth grade year, but it must've been my seventh grade year. Uh, and I was like, the, it was just a moment. Everyone was excited for it. Everybody knew Wayne and Garth and it, it how we saw them, I'm not really sure because, you know, there was no YouTube. You couldn't watch it later. You either had to tape it and and watch the show um, then later or actually stay up and watch it on Saturday <laughs> night, which yeah. me as a kid, that would have been a little bit taboo because we had church in the morning on Sunday. So I don't even remember how I saw Wayne's World mm. before that. Um, so... Uh, I I'm, I may well have been staying up late. I don't know. It could be. And um, it, it was just, it was just sort of a cultural moment. And that was the thing for, you know, sort of that age group. We could have cared less about much of anything else that was on Saturday Night Live. Mm. But Wayne's World spoke to us. <laughs> yes. Pretty thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, yeah, I remember quoting it endless endlessly after we saw it too i mean oh. we went into it having watched the trailer a billion times too yes and, that trailer was everywhere <laughs> yeah and just sort of knowing something of what to expect and then actually but when you actually saw it and actually experienced it was like oh wow this is it was the first time that I know it had happened with blues brothers, but I hadn't seen that uh, where they took the world of a sketch from Saturday night live yeah. and expanded it out so much, you know, and it worked so well because it doesn't often work very well with Saturday night live sketches. There aren't no. very many that are. That uh, can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I... That most of them are just just that they're just a sketch. They're like just, one joke, repeated yeah, over and over again. Like you know, it's Pat or something like that. That's hmm. one joke. Uh, whereas this Wayne's World is the characters. Yeah, and they expanded that out, uh, and I think that worked. I think that's why the Blues Brothers works too. Yeah, exactly, is because it's the characters that you're expanding out. Mm. Um, even though you know, but you think of the plot of the Blues Brothers, and it's just like. They're just literally going across the country trying to get the band back together. And that's it. And it is the greatest the getting the band back together movie ever. And a lot of people have yeah. tried to do that for me and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And, and so and so that is that one. Um, whereas, you know, Wayne's World, they really, uh, I, you know, you got to kind of credit uh, Mike Myers and, you know, the other writers mm. on that, on this movie to really figuring some stuff out. And, you know, they worked with Dana Carvey to try and figure out who Garth was beyond sort of the in awe of Wayne character, <laughs> of yeah. Wayne character that he was on the sketch. Um, and so it was really quite, quite well done, you know, and really, really f- funny. And um, and it has, again, some of that Mike Myers tends to have 
the dumb comedy thing, you know, mixed with really, really smart, insightful stuff. He does. He can go the other way, as we'll get in my disappointment when I saw The Love Guru, which I think oh, it's just, terrible. just yeah. goes into dumb. Um, yeah. And but I, like I will, the Austin I will defend, Powers movies, I was just... I, I will was, defend I'm, Goldmember, I was about to say. I will defend yeah. Goldmember. <laughs> I'm a Goldmember defendist. <laughs> well, I mean, looking at the Austin Powers trilogy recently, again with the kids, it was like, wow, there's some pretty smart stuff going on here you know in this james bond parody yeah <laughs> you know that is is pretty funny i mean it's it's pretty jokes that are have a lot of thought put into them he jokes that i didn't get and then the he time. also has the guy drink poop you know <laughs> freaking lasers on their freaking heads um yeah I need an old priest. I need a young priest. No, it's with the yeah. possessed chair and, and um, yeah. gold member. Oh my god. Um, no, it's. I never grew up with Saturday Night Live. It was still never shown in Australia or New Zealand. It is this weird thing. It's always lived in legend, though. I think because mm. of Blues Brothers, that there are these guys. They are some of the best comedians you know. Like I all, I knew all the guys. So I, and when I sure. hear that before Second City, I would hear Bill Murray, Chevy Chase. Um, uh, Dan Aykroyd, they were all on the show called Saturday Night Live. Same with, um, but when Wayne's World came, came up, I didn't know what it was. I just saw this trailer and just went, that looks hilarious. And it's got catchphrases really easily, which is what you need in a, the best sketches from Saturday Night Live have a catchphrase. Um, and yeah. I know the whole thing is no one ever likes the run at the time that they're watching it. It's always when you go back and realize, Holy shit! The early nineties had Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley. Um, I think uh, Mike Myers was a little bit before those guys. But when you look at the people who have been on uh, that show, yeah. you're just like, holy shit! And they all used to hang out in this. Just that. This, that's why they're still friends now. That's why Adam Sandler yeah. can go to about six people. Let's go to Africa and make a movie and hang out and do shit because he knew them when they were not getting any sleep, probably drinking and doing other stuff to get a sketch done by the Saturday night. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see the documentaries on Saturday night live and it's like this brutal. I mean, yeah. it's an absolutely horrible process. Existence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just impossible. Uh, but somehow, I mean, they, <laughs> and honestly, there, there's a lot of, a lot of bad sketches people that forget yeah. end up on the air you know yeah. but people remember the good ones more often you know yeah. they remember the cowbell live, they remember i live in a van down by the river the promotion van down by the river yeah. yeah they remember you know hans and franz yes you know <laughs> uh, and all that and that's what they remember uh they kind of forget <laughs> the filler yes <laughs> you know and there's and there's a lot of it. Uh, you know, you, you watch it now and you go, wow, that was a really lackluster performance from the, you know, group of the week or whatever, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But Or the early, early episodes that were just like they kept on trying the bee costume things and they just never worked. They were always just this. Oh, was that why the Simpsons <laughs> kept having that bee guy in the costume? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... So, I mean, there was a time when, like, all of them, all the episodes yeah. of Saturday Night Live were on uh, Netflix or something like yeah. that. This is back in the early days of that, of the streaming of that. 
and I watched some of the first episodes and I had to give up because they were just so bad. They were not Dan Aykroyd being Julia funny. Childs cutting her arm off or whatever it is. They had not found their groove, let's put it that way. But um, it was just like, oi. But, you know, hey, uh, Saturday Night Live is legendary and it's produced a lot of great stuff. Uh, it's been a good training ground for a lot of really great comedians over the years. So, Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I still, every time, well, now, even when you go back to the movie Nope, when they're talking about Gordy and mm-hmm. Stephen Yeun is describing the Saturday Night Live sketch that they did on it. Goddamn Chris Kattan is something that is now kind of quotable because I think it's, he says it's like that but when yep. he's talking about, yeah. And it's, it is just this, you know, uh, Steve Wolf was playing me, oh, the guest of the week. And it's just this kind of how it goes into lexicon and how it kind of represents certain things. And you're right. I mean, we're very lucky that we got Wayne's World and not the church ladies from Dan yeah. Harvey and Wayne's World. And, uh, yeah. and uh, Mike Myers, sorry. So because <laughs> it could have well, gone either way. Yeah, because, I mean, I, 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 the church lady's funny for you know a two minute sketch four, but yeah four or five when, minutes but yeah. then you put that in it doesn't fit work anywhere beyond that wall those four walls you know yeah whereas this i mean um anyway uh yeah i i think this is this pretty brilliant you know some of the stuff they're doing with this um mm. and i no i mean I, I continue to enjoy it every time i, I revisit it i used too. to watch it a lot Oh my god! All the time. I still remember my first year of high school, which was about three years after it came out. We were still; it was still on the uh, the um, video store rental rotation. Like every Mm -hmm. single time, it was Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Sometimes we had Wayne's World too. Sometimes, but it would be Wayne's World, so we could quote, you know, "I killed him to death with his own shoe," Um, uh, uh, monologue. But I do remember being at a slumber party and us recreating the um, Bohemian Rhapsody scene we got five chairs put them in like the car and then just lip synced to bohemian rhapsody and this was Mm -hmm. three years after it came out this is i mean bohemian bohemian rhapsody stayed around there's a reason why goddamn mike myers played that video uh, that producer saying no one's gonna like that song in that god-awful movie that was also called bohemian rhapsody because that became queen's song um It wasn't before 92. I mean, I knew Queen because I had an older brother and sister and my brother-in-law, still my bro- he's actually still my brother-in-law, loved Queen. So I kind of knew that. So I went, oh, they're playing that song. But I, the way it kind of creeps into popular culture after that movie, I, I don't know how to... I mean, actually, no, it's like um, Kate Bush after the it got played in... And Stranger Things, but if yeah. that if Run of the Hills stayed in the lexicon for twenty years and it just became right. a shorthand, I don't know if that will, but it was just. I honestly don't re- even remember where it was played in the show. No, I, me I, neither, I, neither do I. I remember uh, them headbanging uh, in Rainsville. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's just kind of, and the thing is, they didn't. You know, Mike Myers didn't want to do the headbanging. He thought oh, this he is. Was, Bitching, no, he. Well, yeah. we'll get into his relationship with Penelope Ferris, which was not good. But it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting how things have sort of changed. Perspectives on it have changed over the years. Yeah, I, I think um, because this, uh, and it was from 1999 or 2000. Mm-hmm. The uh, the 
the uh, documentary that is on the 4K. And it was like, they were all like, yeah, it was... Um, they they were they had nice things to say about each other uh but 92 yeah um so it's just kind of all it's interesting i think everybody grew up too you know including mike myers became much more seasoned and professional because he was not professional by the sounds of it in 92 apparently he was a nightmare to yeah to work with yeah it sounds (laughs) like he was a bit of a diva oh yeah Um, capital so yeah but you know hey uh he he uh it seems though that he has <laughs> grown <laughs> yes. uh, he, he, i mean the love guru essentially killed his career it and, did and, and it then, you know, deservedly so because that movie is a, is a it's war crime <laughs> it's, it's terrible but uh, you know he's popped up uh in things now and then uh he was in you know inglorious bastards yes. for about two minutes and then uh but then he did that pentaveret show which was really pretty funny it was it was i I was like this is him riffing on all his everything that he was good at yeah scottish accent his yeah yeah, the so i married axe murderer stuff that was yeah you know the groundwork laid for that i mean i i thought it was fun i mean i know we're going kind of far afield from wayne's world here but but no i think because Mike Myers is Wayne's world. I mean, yeah, Garth is mm. kind of an important element in, in that you said the characters are broadened out this, this kind of world that they exist in and they fit in that world. But it is the Mike Myers show and he has a very specific, it's his comedy sensibility. It's his mm-hmm. everything. With um, So I think, yeah, I mean, I love So I Married an Axe Murderer. Ed Me Pence too. now is, gets, quotes, gets quoted every single goddamn day. She stole my heart and my cat. I mean... That movie, I think, is insanely sweet and earnest. And yeah. then you get lines. Then you get my Maya's dad. But he's not that in it that much. It's He's not right. like Fat Bastard where it kind of took over the third movie a little bit. Right. Like, oh, okay, now you're over. You might might be using over him a tad. But in, in yeah. Sorry, Meredith, an axe murderer, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways, I think that's mike myers at his best yes is that movie yeah uh even even though i mean i think wayne's world is probably a better movie it is i I think austin powers might be a better movie the first Uh, one yes yeah but but i think i like him in that one the best in a way uh and i i think there's a lot of i don't know i I'm a big fan of So I Married an Axe Murderer. I I think it's one that people should revisit because it uh, it's probably funnier than people remember. It really is. I think the, yeah. the humor is smarter, but I think Mike Myers has a tendency to realize that there's a, which all comedians do because they want to enlist at last, but I think he does this thing where he realizes, oh, they like this joke. So in whatever he does next, he builds it up. He has to do it there. again, yeah. He does it again. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. and I have seen Wayne's World too more than because I it gives me the jokes that I want, um, sure. but when you watch Wayne's World, you're like, oh, this has got some meat behind it. There's yeah. substance. There's, um, I mean, the whole um, the whole opening is fantastic. It just sets everything up. It's um, which I only found out that it's. Um, bill murray's brother right <laughs> um yeah, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. why do i know you it's because you look like goddamn bill murray um yeah yeah who's runs an arcade game does a terrible ad and then the girlfriend switches over and then it goes into wayne's world 2 with these uh that hair contraption scene that they're doing on garth and 
yeah yeah it, it's it kind of goes into the sketch of what i'm assuming a saturday night live wayne's world sketch would yeah been. it's a it, it is it's very much a way into the movie yeah um because because we all experienced wayne's world on tv yeah and that's that's how it starts uh you have ioni sky in a very yes I, I i didn't even realize it was her until i saw the credits so i was like wait yeah. what ioni sky <laughs> So that when she was like, this. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, she's the girl at the beginning. Mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that was kind of fun. And then you know, Rob Lowe, sort of being Rob Lowe, <laughs> being Rob Lowe. He's and the thing is, this is I think Mike Myers was the first person to really realize how funny he could be. Him and Lorne Michaels, I've heard yeah. interviews with um, him now, and he he sort of accredited it to Mike Myers, but mostly Lorne. Uh, uh, Mike Myers, but my, mostly Lorne Michaels. Um, yeah. Because if Lorne Michaels likes you, he'd just put you in stuff. And yeah. I think he he obviously did something rich with, you know, as you, rich people do play tennis, I don't know, and he kind of realized, oh, Rob Lowe's funny. And it changed uh, his career. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and, and but the thing is he, he goes back and forth, you know, because he was doing uh, West Wing and he was doing yes. uh, what, um, what was that one with Sally Field? It was like brothers and sisters oh yes he did do brothers and sisters yeah yeah and but then he also then he did parks and rec which is now what everyone knows him for he's the best he was so funny on that show and it totally changed the vibe of that show it did and made it work yeah it because yeah it wasn't quite working with uh brandana what's in the mix which i like him which is sad (laughs) yeah i know i know but the ensemble just clicked when they brought in him and adam scott it was like well, hello. Mm. This really works uh, now, and the ense- the rest of the ensemble, I mean, was kind of already there, but they, it just that added chemical just made it ignite. It just yeah. worked. Yes, um, and so, so seeing Rob Lowe, and he's subtle in this movie. Yes, because he's playing a straight man, but the funny stuff he does is really, really funny. It really is when he gets out of the car yeah. in the end after he's had the examination. Yeah. Is yeah. it's fantastic. Classic. You, stuff. See well, it, I mean, you see it three times. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, I mean, even the stuff where he's like hitting on Cassandra. Yes. It's like you know I'm not trying to hit on you. It's like good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. And for me, uh, every time I watch this, my adolescent self goes, "Oh my gosh." Tia Carrere is the most beautiful woman in the world. She is. In this movie. How did your sons, I mean, this is such a Gen X 1992 movie that is so in, there is no nostalgia playing anywhere. It is just living in the moment that mm-hmm. it was filmed. How yeah. did your boys um, and your daughter, because you got three kids, um, yep. how did they react to this? Did they actually get the, did they really, I'm assuming they loved this. They got a lot of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of it. I wouldn't yeah. say they that everything <laughs> you know made sense to them because there are some jokes in this that even as a few of them. I, like I caught one today that's like that even went over my head, where he said, "You know, the with you is always is Garth," and he says, "Am I the?" And he and he mentions you know some obscure co-host to a host. I assume. Oh that yes. I had never heard of. Yeah, I and think I know the one you're referring to. I'm like, I don't know who that is. It's like I don't know who that is, and yeah. so I that that's one of those things. So, um, so it lives in sort of this interesting place. Uh, but I think a lot of the humor just works. It just continues to be funny. Mm. I mean, they're not going to get the Nuprin 
reference because Nuprin doesn't exist anymore. Yellow, as different. far as I know, those commercials <laughs> aren't on anymore. But I forgot and, about the commercial, but that was the best. And they're like the Laverne and Shirley thing. They're like, oh, what is this? It took me a moment to remember what that was. Like, I was like, yeah. wait, what? It's uh, not Kenny and Lisa. Oh, it was Laverne and Shirley. Now, yeah. Was, yeah. And, and I watched that in reruns. Yeah. You know, when, uh, when I was a kid. Me so, too. I mean, yeah. it was already a little bit it was already kind of hitting the end of its yeah. <laughs> uh, you know relevance by yeah. the time this movie came out initially i yes. think yes and but i tell you that so but for the most part i think the humor still works I mean, it still is relevant and funny um because like i said before it's kind of based on characters it's based on relationships yes um i mean they laughed at the i'll have the cream of some young guy i mean <laughs> Uh, they they got that um, because you know Beavis and Butthead has apparently prepped them for for those kinds of jokes, and that that's what she said joke. Yes, they've heard that. Endlessly. Although obviously from the from the office, from that the was, office, yeah, yeah. So they were like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute, this is this is like years before the office, yeah. It and is. they weren't, yeah, and they weren't exactly taking those jokes out of thin air. They were picking no. them up from other places so these jokes exactly. have been around for, for, for decades but yeah. yeah no i watching it again i completely forgot about the advertising bit and i love <laughs> it does that thing where it goes on for far too long but the longer it goes on for the funnier it gets so when you get to the neuro oh i think it's perfect i love that <laughs> yeah when you get to the neuropin bit i'm just giggling all over again and i yeah. i'm like and they did the, I don't, we never had this ad. So a lot of the ads, so the brands I know, but I didn't know Neuropin, but as soon as it went black and white with the yellow, yellow, different. I'm not, I, yeah. just, I lost it because it was just, yeah. they're just going deep. They're going, because it's it, the, the whole bit starts perfectly because they do not want to put Bill Murray's brother on the air. Right. And, oh, Mike, uh, uh, Wayne doesn't. And so he just starts talking about how corporate shocking is terrible, but all of a sudden you see Pizza Hut, you see Pepsi, you see all these things and when it goes black and white i think it's like the perfect bit to the joke because then it's just really starts going overboard and i love it so much and then the camera angle they do when he drinks the pepsi yes is is so perfect too because i mean that is the that is the pepsi commercial camera angle it's yeah it's a weird close-up that doesn't quite no one drinks a can of it, anything that way yeah it's it's not framed quite right it's yeah. just it's just it's perfect and that was the scene that i was like this is why this is the perfect pairing with network oh um, I, th I thought it was the beginning when because you've got this like <laughs> um which i felt very attacked because we all have podcasts now and we're all doing them in our basement or me in my bedroom but when sure. wayne comes out and does his first monologue he's like yeah you know my best friend garth and I love the stool with my parents and I, I've got this thing I do every Saturday night with my friends and we just goof off and and it doesn't I like I'd like to do something with it, like you know, being an uh -huh. adult. And I'm like, I feel I'm very attacked right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, it's true. I mean it was like just it's but true ninety two and it's true now. <laughs> the dream of doing, you know, the thing you love full time. Yeah. You know, for a living, to make money off of the side hustle. Yes. Or you know, it I we don't get we don't have sponsors or no. anything for movies for life you know or neither of us like right that's <laughs> what i thought love. we don't even have a patreon we don't have we don't have a, a huge listenership no. but <laughs> me neither <laughs> where it's like you know what but the people who listen regularly we appreciate them and you know hey 
if it's that level of downloads um, every two weeks, that's great. If some of them spike a little bit, that's great. You know what? Um, I think I know most of the people who listen. <laughs> so yeah, it's fine. I know. I know. That's the way it is for me, too. Yeah. It's, so it's like... Yeah. But it was just, it kind of goes back to that sort of um, side hustle that you want to do something, but you know it's never going to make money. And the dream is, yeah. is that when you've got a stupidly large cocktail where things are constantly falling, God, I love Garth so much. I love you, dream woman. It is. Donna Dixon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it is just this kind of thing when someone hands you a contract and goes, I can make you a lot of money for doing the thing that you love. But unfortunately, uh -huh. when you realize when someone else is paying for it, you lose control of that thing. And That's right. yeah, you, I mean, uh, Patreon just sounds like too much work. <laughs> it's just like, I have to do what now? Yeah, um, I know. Yeah. Um, and it is, but when they sort of realize that they do have to have ads, they do have to do certain things everything's kind of changing. Everything's a bit more professional. It kind of loses what Wayne's world is meant to be, which is that's right. five guys sticking around in a basement. Um, right. It's like, it's, it's punk. It's those early metal bands. It was before they got the, to the stadiums. It's all that kind of thing, which is what Penelope Ferris was so good at showing. It's these misfits yeah. who just do not fit in except in this one weird place. And because yeah. I mean, they hang out at the dirt. Oh, okay. We'll get into it Ed O'Neill later, but they have the same routine. They will do. Yeah. I mean, they just do things. And when, I mean, even when they, the I love how they hold their um, backstage passes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause like, no, no, hey. no, we're, we're, we're actually cool now. We're cool now. <laughs> it's cause they never were. They were, they were dopey kids. I also like, you know, sort of the, one of the, one of the trailers I that popped into my head for a second was yeah. Spaceballs because they seem to know the script yeah. while they're while they're living it, you know. Yes, and that's one of the things that's funny about it. I did it's think like, of Spaceballs hey. as well for that reason. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, yeah. cool. Well, the, but the, because of the Chris Farley scene, yes, where 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 he's explaining to them the whole you know where What's gonna Mr. happen Biggs at the end, gonna be and everything. It's like that's a lot of well, information. <laughs> that was a lot of information. He seemed to know a lot. For I wonder if that's gonna come in handy, handy later. later. Yeah, and, uh, um, that's that's all. That's all very funny and very and really kind of smart. You know, I mean, this is pre-scream, pre-meta. This um, is every everywhere kinds of stuff. But I mean, honestly, I've been watching old Buster Keaton shorts. Uh, I was watching um, the ones with he did with Fatty Arbuckle. Oh yeah, I still need. There's a set I need to get that has all the shorts. From, yeah, yeah, but I haven't gotten it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching. I, I got the one from Kino. I know Umbrella released one too. And there's and also essentially the one, yeah. Eureka, that's the one I meant. Eureka, mm. that's what I meant. Um, but they're essentially the same sets. Yeah. And and so I, I've been watching those, and there's this one called Moonshine, mm. and all of the title cards are like are commenting on this is the director's choice. This is um and, and to do this right it's, now. <laughs> it's commenting on the fact that they're making a movie. Yeah. It's oh. like I was like, and he says, you know, you're you're marrying my daughter awfully quick. It says, Oh, we're only a two reel short. We don't have enough time for exposition. <laughs> and and so it's it's actually it's like so the meta thing's been going on, you know, forever. Oh yeah, and it's been in comedy. I mean, Mal Brooks knew to do that very mm -hmm. quickly. I mean, it's he's not oh, yeah. I mean, Spaceballs is the saddles Blazing and, Saddles and mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. He's he's done that for a lot of the time. I mean, Spaceballs is kind of the most famous one where they're looking at the video of the movie that they're watching. Of the movie and, of the, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's and it's because it's uh, Rick Moranis because and it's kind of brilliant. But he's it, this kind of thing has been going on for a while. But when you're also watching it, yeah, you realize, oh, this is. I mean, they're talking to the camera. They're very self aware. Even yeah. Garth is stealing the camera. Um, Ed O'Neill mm-hmm. takes on the camera for a bit. It's yeah. They're even playing with that kind of breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. Yeah. And but when you're also watching it, you realize how funny Chris Farley actually how funny he is he's got that quality where he can just be in one scene steal it and when he's giving directions he keeps doing these weird arm movements yeah and and it's just this flex of like and he's doing the straightforward no wait it's this direction then he moves his hand a little bit like uh, a little bit like uh ned Beatty. Yeah, yes. Network, you know, these are movements. That, that is exactly what I'm saying. Chris Farley yeah. is the 1990s Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Nah, Ned Beatty. That is exactly what I'm saying. Uh, both yeah. just go rock in, rock in a scene, take over the whole movie, and then leave yeah. again. It yeah. is. And Alice yeah. Cooper does the same thing, I think. Oh, my God. His, so his monologue, he just takes over that scene, and you, it's like uh, that whole thing is so funny. It's like, oh, it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. Does this guy know how to party or what? Um, oh, the, I love the whole thing that they make a big thing out of going to Milwaukee. Because Chicago is usually the biggest city. It's the city you're excited to go to, but it's set in Chicago and they're in a suburb of Chicago. So when they yeah. go to Milwaukee, it's really exciting. So, of course, because um, Laverne and Shirley was set in Milwaukee and then they're doing the whole, we're in Milwaukee, isn't it fun? And then they yeah. go to see Alice Cooper, which I'm so used to the whole um, Wayne's World 2 when um, – uh, Steve Tyler tells them to get up. You're worthy. You're worthy. But no, uh, <laughs> he just um, holds Alice out Cooper, his hand, his hand like he's the Pope. <laughs> yeah, kiss, kiss the ring. Yeah, kiss the ring. It's great. <laughs> and the whole thing about just that monologue of how the history of Milwaukee. I'm like, man, well, Alice Cooper should have been in more movies. He's awesome. And uh, and one of the another one that I thought of mm. was uh, Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because Again, a very hit and miss movie. Sometimes there are yeah, moments I kind of yeah. like, and the rest of it, uh. yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah, um, but okay. Then you know, there's there's sort of this whole you know you've meddled with the primal laws of nature when he's doing the whole cards on the. <laughs> the, yes! he's holding up the cards you know and he's reading them you know sphincter boy this man has no penis he blows yes. goats i have proof uh that is that's really funny but it's also like howard beale you know saying you know you need to write to the white house and tell him to stop the you know this takeover from this yeah other you're now missing with my money and i am yeah. not happy about it which is yeah. essentially the same thing it's because he get, wayne gets fired for doing that because he messed with their money and as we'll get into network there are no countries there are no races <laughs> there is just currency and corporations currency and we'll get into yeah. it but i love how exxon gets mentioned i'm like oh that's not a thing anymore <laughs> well there's another thing that's funny in wayne's world though yeah. that i had never really noticed before mm. uh and before this watch was when he's talking about the fender uh, when it's in the case still and she's commenting yes. on on how how everything is like in classic white with you know it's like you know i'd yes <laughs> yeah i'd file the nut and all that other stuff mm. and is and he says yeah it's pre cbs fender corporate buyout and it, it's I just did like not this notice that yeah throwaway line but it's like that is kind of what the movie's about. 
It is <laughs> and actually it's kind of what network's about. Oh and my god, it is. And, um, and I got to I, so. I keep getting distracted about the no stairway to heaven <laughs> sign in the no, music yeah. store. <laughs> well, the thing is, the 4K actually restores it to actually being stairway to heaven that he's playing. Oh, because he only plays a few chords that kind of sounds like yeah, stairway to heaven, but aren't actually years, stairway to heaven. <laughs> yeah, for years on video. Um, it was like this heavy distorted something or other that's not really Stairway to Heaven. Oh, mine uh, had the restored Stairway to Heaven. Like I was watching it awesome. on streaming and it had the first few chords. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, oh, maybe it wasn't the actual, but no, they had the ding, ding, ding or whatever, the, yeah, those yeah. first famous corners. And then he goes, nah, no Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. What was the song at a party you went to where it always got, like in New Zealand, someone always brought out the guitar and started playing um, the Metallica song. No, oh shoot. <laughs> it's off the Black Album, that goddamn ballad that I probably blocked out of my brain. Oh, the Nothing Else Matters. Nothing See, Else Matters, yeah. I would always play Enter Sandman. Oh, uh, nice, yeah. Um, and and then there was yeah, but I mean, it, the thing about nothing else matters is it's the easiest song in the world to it's play because well, it's not even that it's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's just that it's all open strings. Ah, so, okay, that's yeah, why. Yeah. Seriously, every single goddamn party in New Zealand in the nineties, if so, if there was a guitar, someone was going to play nothing else matters, and it drove me nuts. I mm-hmm. hated that song so much. Um, but. It, yeah, you're right. It is about um, corporate takeovers and it is about how they kind of reach in and will take everything in. I mean, and the whole thing with Rob Lowe is that he's buying a, sh- he's trying to sell a show he doesn't even own. So he's got to go and Purchase buy it. feeble cable access television show yes. and exploit it. Exactly. That is the whole <laughs> thing he's doing. He's seeing easy money that he, because he doesn't have to. He pays Wayne and Garth $5,000 each, which to them is a lot of money, but in terms of the scheme of what he's actually going to be making, it is peanuts. It's nothing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the way they're skipping down the street going, we got $5,000. But yeah, Rob Lowe's making probably quadruple that in terms of what he's going to be making with this deal. Easy. So Mm -hmm. it's... It is really about this kind of buying and kind of selling. And when we get into network, there's a little bit of a conflict between ratings and corporate because yeah. that is, which I completely forgot is kind of like the crux of the movie. It's like, mm-hmm. who's actually making money? Who's actually succeeding in a situation depend depending on whether it's the ratings or whether it's the corporate yes. buying. I, I'm very obsessed with Faye Dunaway in that movie, but it mm-hmm. is, uh, which is very easy to be. Um, but with this one, yeah, I completely missed that line. And I was picking, I was just picking up on new jokes. Like, um, like I forgot how much Ed O'Neill's in, in Wayne's world. Like he just keeps coming back. You know, if you stab a man in the dead of winter, Steve, steam will rise Wayne's up from, from the wounds. wounds. Why yeah. is it in war? When you kill a man, you're a hero. But when you kill him in a fit of passion, it's murder. It's called murder. <laughs> it's called murder. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, I completely forgot I caught up with the cop character. He was like, yeah, we did, uh, you know, over such and such um, internal cavity searches. I did 12 of them yeah. myself. <laughs> you know, the body cavity searches had me thinking Beavis and Butthead do America. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit, it, yes. There's there's just so much that these little moments that were like, okay, um, that was in something else later. Uh, that was in something else later. Um, so it's surprising how sort of 
influential this little movie was because it is kind of a little movie and it's just a tiny little movie they shot it in like 21 days like three Mm. weeks um Mm -hmm. because they wanted to do it fast and cheap because uh traditionally snl movies do not do well unless it's the blues brothers which is why probably they decided to do another music heavy one because it worked for blues brothers with um the r&b so maybe it would work for heavy metal um with wayne's world and it did but it is just you're right it's about the characters you learn so much about every single character even um wayne and garth's friends who run through the camera and sound and everything like that yes lee lee um turkson who was on lsd the whole entire time like dan pointed that out when we were watching it going um because you go i love you man and it's like oh that's when they're doing lsd jokes but can't say it's lsd or uh, no sorry gotcha. ecstasy without saying ecstasy anyway you do get to know everyone in the movie and tina carrera you she has i love how she yeah she is the most beautiful woman in the world but she's not just wayne's right. love interest she's actually mm-hmm. got yeah she wants the band she's exactly the same she has this little dirty and band she's She's just, like a oh great, like savvy business person. Yes. You know, she's, she's the, she's in charge of her group. Yeah. Um, you know, like when she's talking on the phone with drummer. her drummer and stuff, she's, it's great. You know, and the way she handles Benjamin and stuff yeah. at the beginning, it's like, Hey, we've got flyers at the door. Even Wayne, you know, she says she's not impressed with him nope. at first either. And, you know, it's like, great night, huh? Everybody's kung fu fighting. And he just, his face is like, oh no. It's like rolling her eyes going, I know this guy. Yeah. And it's not until he generally makes her laugh yeah. um, that she's like, oh, okay, maybe there is something to this guy. And that's when he's being, oh, actually, it's when he starts speaking Cantonese. And then right. the subtitles just keep going on with all That is so funny. That is so funny when I was like, just watching, looking at his watch. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and it's kind of a joke he put into with the subtitles into Austin Powers 3. He does. He does it yeah. he does it multiple times. It's, and it's yeah. never gets old. <laughs> no, um but he does them a little he does them differently enough in those yeah. two movies that it works. So yeah. But it does still work, but that is so great because he is he's opening up to her, he's being vulnerable, he's talking about his ex-girlfriend and saying, Yeah, I probably helped create the monster who gives me a gun rack, even though I don't own a gun, let alone many guns, to necessitate, necessitate a whole rack. rack yeah. <laughs> rack. That line is amazing. I don't... <laughs> Apparently, true story. She was not impressed, um, which I don't blame. <laughs> Seeing your ex-boyfriend put something from a dumb bit from your relationship, and you're just like, you wow. motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm playing a psycho? I hate you so much. Even That's though Lara Finn Boyle is insanely funny in this movie. She's so funny. Oh, my yeah. God. And she gets all the pratfalls. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. This movie must have every kind of joke in it because it's it got does. slapstick. It's got really smart, sort of deep stuff. It's got, you know, silly things. It's got, I don't know. It it just works so well. Jericho trying um, to hold a snake while playing a place, and uh, you, you yeah. see the reality of what that would actually be like. We both know there's no film in this camera. camera? Uh, Again, it does that thing like he's real. Mike Myers is really good at timing, so that film goes the whole. Reel. Yeah, it, the, it just unwinds. It, it, the way it unspools at his feet is so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. This. Yeah. It, it really does hold up to. Uh, it, it's amazing how well it does. You know, there are a few jokes that have kind of aged out, like yeah. the Laverne and Shirley thing. Yes. But there's nothing like 
that is aged out in like an offensive way. No, I mean, even in when you're watching Airplane, the whole jive talking bit, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it doesn't have any of those jokes, though um, it doesn't have a different racial element. It doesn't really have anything like that. But yeah, the no. only jokes that don't work is the, is the Laverne and Shirley. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. But yeah. even the neuroprint kind of makes me laugh. Just the, yeah. the way. Because you, and you know me, what type I of remember, edit means. I remember. Um, Laverne and Shirley well enough to to yeah. find that funny, but you know my kids, you know that's lost on them. Yeah, what I mean, uh, and you know it's it's interesting. You know, I, I, I Tia Carrera is actually really thankful to Mike Myers because um, she the character was written as Asian, so it was. Um, and so it didn't go yeah yeah it wasn't like oh we'll, ch we'll change it to this it's no it was no. actually written as an asian character so mike myers had yeah. yeah yeah that's cool but but not um but also it's it's not like a big deal except that she speaks cantonese yes. because that is that is the one thing that that is brought in um multiple that, times because yeah multiple um, times because you know and the thing is she didn't know <laughs> tia Carrera didn't know cantonese uh so so she had to learn it as well. Oh no! Um, um, Rob Lowe was listening to it uh, on loop, you know, because I mean, it's it's really to pay off that joke. It is written. That, no, I was just about to say, Krima Sam Young guy is the reason why they wrote it. <laughs> well, I, I think it's. I, I would say it's it's to show that showing know, off that, that he uh, can speak Cantonese, that he can speak <laughs> that he can speak that uh, Rob Lowe can speak Cantonese, yeah. better than Wayne can. Yes, you know, is is part of the part of it too yeah so yeah which is a great kind of thing because brad is everything wayne is not but those mm. things he is not aren't particularly things that you should be aspiring to okay yeah he's yeah. like when garth There's... is going around the apartment and leslie's got all the how to pick up woman books or how to which is really funny because why does he need that that's part exactly. of the joke i think yeah too. yeah which is kind of brilliant. I love every single time Garth takes the camera. It is just uh -huh. pure gold. I mean, oh God, I love Garth they, so much. They he cut is... out his tongue and the baby tongues and yes, uh, the whole uh, foxy um, bit oh, is geez. is comic gold. When he's doing the drumming, he's actually mm -hmm. drumming. I love how Penelope zooms in and then the lights go up and he's just doing this um, drum solo. It's uh -huh. it's the best. Like it it's is. Great. It's just. He kind of gets the joyful moments more than the actual kind of funny wordplay that um, Mike Myers is constantly sort of throwing out. But sure. it is sort of more, you just like, and when he goes, I love you, dream woman. I'm just like, I'm like <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. It's just like, this woman has no name. He's in love with, and he's, I think he's generally in love with her, but he, he can't, he'll never be able to separate the whole real person from fantasy. And even right. in that moment, it's because the ending, it's the famous three endings, like the, the, probably the bad ending, which is the realistic ending. Mr. Big doesn't even probably listen to Chena Karina's set in the basement yeah. um, and does probably, uh, actually, no, Tina Karina has standards. She's not going to get with um, Rob Lowe, but it is, it's this kind of the end with when they get to it, it's the, it's the celebration of the homemade art, which I kind of love. Yeah. It's the rejection yeah. of the corporate takeover, which is not network at all. <laughs> right. Mm. Right. Uh, anything else you want to say about, sorry, I had to get in my Garth moments. Cause again, no, that's... Jimi Hendrix popped up a lot after Wayne's world that I think he even it, had a bit of did. research. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Foxy Lady was a big deal to me because it was like, oh, that's Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And I, because obviously being a guitar player, that come oh, up a lot. Oh, shit. Yes. And then it was just like, and so that's, it was after that I got, you know, Are You Experienced? And it's when, it was during that time, like I said, I didn't really follow um, into Nirvana for a long time. Honestly, I, I, I went, I went <laughs> back. Pressure. Sorry. I just imagine you as a young man in, um, you know, I know in um, Washington and just trying to be yourself. And then everyone is just around you is just probably so into this. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of went back. I went to Hendrix and some of that other stuff mm. instead. So uh, yeah. And, you know, because, you know, I, I, I too sort of realized some of the, I, I appreciated the ability of the hair metal guitarist, but then mm. I realized, yeah, some of the music is really not great. It's a lot of show with hair metal. It's a, yeah. Yeah, more than, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, it sort of helped me. I, I, it opened the door for me to see some of the other older stuff that, you know, I still like now a lot. It's actually probably what I spend more of my time listening to than other most other kinds of music to be honest yeah it's sort of like 60s and 70s yeah. rock and so. in the late 90s there was a big resurgence in the beatles the who even mm -hmm. the i had a friend who was really into the monkeys and i actually got a then watching head i was like oh actually monkeys rule they were yeah they were a tv Red. band but you know head would be actually a really interesting pairing with this movie too it actually would be yeah. Yeah. Because that does everything. Uh, I, I so watched that. There's a serious yeah, I, seriousness to head that is fascinating. It's a it's a really surprising movie. Yeah. It's so much better than I expected it to be because I expected it to be the monkeys rip off of of uh, Hard Day's Night, and it's really no, not at no, all. It is nothing like that. Like yeah, yeah, it's they were doing. It was kind of like it's highly political. Very political. For In one fact, thing. Yeah. Raffleson and Nicholson were put on a list afterward. They were yeah. the FBI mm -hmm. was suddenly like, "You two, we need to pay attention to you two." And it's like it's Bob Raffleson and Jack Nicholson. What are they going to do? Blow weed at you? Um, yeah. it, especially in 1968. It is right. Yeah, but no, it has got that sort of seriousness and it's very highly political. It is doing, they kind of look, probably looked at a hard day's night and went, wait, we're going to do everything opposite. I think because yep. by that stage, all those guys were just kind of done with their persona. Mm -hmm. But it is, but yeah, I mean, I was just a little bit too young for grunge. I mean, I was 12, so I should have been right in that moment, but emotionally I was still listening to Boyce Men. So sure. It wasn't until, and then when I did get into that kind of stuff, it was, yeah, the 60s and 70s. And then when I did get into Nirvana, I was 18. And it was Stone Temple Pilots more. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So it was just this weird kind of thing of an 18-year-old in 2000 going, yeah, Grunge is actually really good. And everyone's like, that was so six years ago. What are you doing? Um, but that is kind of, I never get into music when it's actually popular. It's always like. No, nah, me either. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's never like at the time ever. Um, but yeah, it is. But I love how in the moment Wayne's world is. So I think, in, and I think it's so smart in actually showing gig culture. Um, I think yeah. it's so smart in showing um, how kids in the early nineties, even though these guys, I love how it's just the typical, they're all in their thirties, but um, these kids would spend their time because the X generation was the lazy generation. Um, mm -hmm. Especially when you're looking so at- So they say. 
So they say it's not. Um, I'm not when you're I'm young. I'm, I'm a young millennial. I'm an old. I'm a very old millennial. As in, I was born yeah. in the year apparently of the millennial. I started. Yeah, I was just before. I so. was just on that. Yeah. Pisses me off because I yeah. am spiritually Gen X. Thank you very much. But when you look at what was being written at the time, it's very similar to what is being written about Gen Z. To be honest, they're lazy. They live at mm-hmm. home. They do all these things. It's like no, that's because that's what kids do that is yeah there isn't that much difference because everyone's gonna be a 20 year old that is how it works that's right that's right so it's uh mm. yeah and generations keep getting shorter they keep defining them by shorter amounts of time and it's kind of like i was gen x until they decided what a millennial was i was so pissed um and with talking about generational divides and how people saw their own time oh my god i'm just realizing how well, That's how so timeless, much in this movie. how yeah. timeless it is, and yet how of the moment it is. Actually, watching mm-hmm. it every time I watch Network, I realize that how of the now it is, which gets scarier oh, yeah. and scarier. But before we get into uh, the masterpiece that is Network, what is going to be your first trailer? Curtains are opening, back opening. Okay, so I was thinking about uh, lots. I have like so many possibilities for this movie um but i think this is the one i'm gonna go with because i think it's first it's a satire uh it deals with news it deals with uh also someone getting shot on camera um (laughs) from 1981 joe dante's the howling Somewhere in this city, in this human jungle, it begins. Just try. He's right there. What do you see? What's there? What do you see, Karen? What's there? Somewhere in these woods, in this primal, sensuous, secret place lies an experience too terrifying for words. And now, all anyone can do is watch and wait. Tonight I'm gonna show you something. Make you believe. Yes. Shit, that is perfect. I'm angry I didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you have, you know, Dee Wallace's character remind, is a little bit of, like, Howard Beale at the end there. Yes. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what things, what is really happening in the yeah. world. You yeah. Know? It's like, it baby's then, a werewolf. Thing is, the thing is, what's great about it is, you know, it's like, oh, it's like, and they're, the, when they go, it cuts to all of those different um homes of people watching the tv yeah and and it says the news lady's turning into a werewolf and Hmm. it's like oh you kids you know and no (laughs) and then they no one's paying attention cut to commercial cut to commercial and it Hmm. cuts just like in network yeah and it cuts to commercial and it's you know oh network's much more cynical it's more they get bored with it so they switch yeah exactly um, but it's like, no, it's like, that was real. She turned into a werewolf and they shot her. And the yeah. guy is just so <laughs> mundane about it. God, I love the howling. I mean, yeah. I know, I know that everyone, it is unpopular opinion, 
but for me the howling is the superior werewolf movie of 1981 and you cannot change my mind on it because it is just so much smarter than american werewolf it is it is so funny it is so dark it mm. is saying something that is not just another werewolf puberty story mm. uh it, it's so it's just got the most interesting stuff going on and i really like american werewolf a lot don't get yeah. me wrong but for me the howling is the one it um, took me a couple of watches of the howling to realize what it was saying which i think is yeah Dante's gift and his curse well it, i mean it's also you know john sales writing this exactly thing. and john sales so, is an incredibly political writer mm-hmm. If you ever watch anything, yeah, just anything, like it's it's in there. You could probably find it in Alligator. Oh yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, um, but it is this amazing kind of thing where it took me. Oh wait, these werewolves actually are in power. Like I didn't. It took yeah. me three watches to click that. Oh, these guys are running the show. And mm-hmm. as we get into network, there's always this kind of wooby wooby thing when it comes to people in power, which um, I find absolutely fascinating and. I'm not talking about spirituality. I'm talking about this kind of, they think they have magic, um, sure. which uh-huh. just, um, I mean, we'll, when we get into Faye's obsession with this um, fortune teller, she's found it's yeah. yeah. It's kind of this, there's something magical about, about them and the howling, they just make that, Oh no, this is like a real text. They're werewolves. There is something otherworldly about them. And that's yeah. why they're so, so dangerous and the fact that they're in like a because i just thought it was like oh see hippies in a self-help group <laughs> or all werewolves no they're the ones who have actual power <laughs> me so that's long right. to click to that so yep. i think yeah so i think that's why maybe a lot i mean i love american werewolf in london so much me too me too I, and i want that to be clear it's a yeah. great movie no you you hate it's that a, movie <laughs> no <laughs> no it's 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 today you either love it or hate it no i, I get it and i get why because um, I think they're both doing completely different things, even though they I really are. American Werewolf is a puberty story. It is a, but it's the curse of becoming an adult. It's a, it's a growing up movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a great one. It and is. And I, it, and there are things like I think of the transformations in American Werewolf are superior as much and the one but the ones in the howling are great too exactly well, you have uh, rob boutine yeah. and rick baker rick it's baker. like you know yeah who you, yeah it's it's just like, it's like this isn't spoiled for choice <laughs> they're both they're both so great and then you know just you know robert picardo in uh and d wallace and then you know christopher stone as well yeah. and then, yeah um, and then you have all these great sort of character actors you have slim pickens in there and you've got john carradine well, that's the beauty of Dante. He it's knows just his character a wonderful yeah. performance. Oh, it's so good, and uh, and you have one of the great female horror villains of all time. Yeah, in that movie as well. Uh, and I think, yeah, I I just the Howling was the one I always always gravitated to, mm. and I don't for whatever reason. Uh, but when I watched it when I was a lot older, you just kind of go, oh man. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. It's like when you want, like, it's like for me, R- RoboCop. Yes. Just yeah. kind of having that, um, that sort of realization that, oh, it's not just a cool action movie. They're no, actually saying something. They're saying this. something yeah. um, in this and we are 
living in it <laughs> which i think is yeah. always a which like network is like oh this didn't go away like that <laughs> this yeah. never went away yeah that is an absolutely fantastic trailer i didn't even think of it because i tend to gravitate toward uh, american werewolf because sure. i don't know but i need to watch the howling again actually i haven't seen it for a while and the thing is to be fair most people do yeah, and, yeah and, exactly. and, and, I, and I get that and I get yeah. that because I think it's maybe as far as craftsmanship of the film goes mm. maybe it is superior but I think uh just the script and the I don't know Don, I'm kind of a Dante guy and I just love the way he does comedy He's so uh, good at in comedy, horror yeah. yeah yeah in his horror films and so I don't know that's mm. that's so that's me but um i know i'm in the minority uh, as far as that opinion goes too so yeah um but no i need to watch the howling again um okay for my first trailer you know what i am going to just go for social network david fincher 2010 to do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles. I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours. 1,000. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it says. So did we. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster than any of us ever imagined it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't wait to stand over your shoulder and watch you write as a chef. You guys were the inventors of Facebook. I think this movie is perfect in one way and completely imperfect in another, mainly because Mm -hmm. we now know more. It sure has, we do yeah mm-hmm. it hasn't aged in the sense when you're watching it now you're like oh i know where this is going like the whole mission statement is you're not an asshole you just want people to think you are and now the whole thing is oh no i think you're just an asshole it's not that you are trying to relate to human beings it's that you just don't want just to and can't or don't know how don't know how yeah. and now <laughs> don't want to because now you know you can manipulate them Sure. Um, I think that's kind of what it's changed into. So I think that thesis statement of the social network is mm. not completely accurate. But that in saying that, it is almost a perfect movie. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite yeah. Fincher, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember thinking when I saw it uh, that it felt like the right movie for that year. Yes. Because... Uh, and I can't remember what won Best Picture, but it was like, uh, that's it's the King's be... speech. <laughs> I was uh, so annoyed. <laughs> there we, there we go. And and which you know, I like that movie. I think it's a good movie. But what relevance does it have to that year? No, um, it's yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's it's, and I I I'm a big fan of Colin Firth. I I don't people think people should shit on Carl on Colin Firth, but <laughs> he, um, no, he deserved the best and he's, Oscar and he's great in for that. King's speech. Yeah. But, but I think I think the story that is being told in the social network is so uh, just it's capturing, you know, it is the movie of that year. I yeah. mean, there's no to me, there was just no competition. It's like if you have a movie that defines the year in which it was made. Uh, it's social it's, network. Yeah, that's it, the one. It defined that decade previously. I mean, all mm-hmm. through those noughties coming out, which we kind of which if Wayne's world is such a 1992 movie, it just reflects the time it's made. 
sure. about the social network for 2010. Mm-hmm. And it is the movie that when I realized Justin Timberlake can act, uh, yeah. I was so surprised mm-hmm. by that performance. Um, it put Jesse uh, Eisenberg on my radar, Gar- yep. Andrew Garfield on my radar. It put right. it put so many people on my radar. I'm like, oh, these are people I need to pay attention to because Andrew Garfield is probably going to win an Oscar one day. They just have to find the right thing. Maybe it should have been Tick, Tick, mm-hmm. Boom, but that didn't get nominated for anything. Um, right. Yeah, it is... It, yeah, but it is such a perfect it's such a perfect time capsule of a of a movie. And David Fincher does have a habit of that. He tends, I mean, as much as I love Seven, that is such a 1995 movie. Um yeah. as much as I think uh, Zodiac is timeless, but I think um he tends to make movies that are of the moment they are made and sometimes when he's trying to do say with Mank, that's when it kind of falls apart around the edges. Except for Zodiac, right. he got Zodiac. Zodiac is pretty much a perfect movie. In oh, my it's, a master- it's, it's a full yeah. Blown masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Mank didn't work for me. It didn't. Parts of it did. Yeah. But, yeah oh, sure. Sure. But, but on not, the whole, it was no. kind of like, you know. I'm a well, I'm an Orson Welles guy. So I was like, I'm sure me Orson too, Welles has so... something to say about this. This was not yeah. the, the, mo- the uneven collaboration I think people want to say it was. Right. And I, I think. Uh, I've talked about this a little bit uh, in, on our Citizen Kane episode yeah. with Stephen. Um, I like the idea of behind the scenes of Citizen Kane being more like RKO two eighty one. Yes, that that movie. Uh, it was like an HBO film where they're working together on the script. Yeah. I, that's the that's the what I. Like. They're arguing because I, I haven't I, seen yeah. RKO for a long time, but they actually yeah. are working on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I like that. I imagine that <laughs> and that's what I hope in my heart of hearts happened. But um, I think Mank was just sort of like uh, taking the Pauline Kale viewpoint at face value and yes, saying, here we go, yeah. um, which, okay, fine. Um, but, you know, I, but that's just my, that's my hangups. It's my hangups with that movie, I think, personally. But uh, yeah. uh, but I think there's good performances in it. I think there's uh, there's things of choices as far as like you're filming in black and white. You you put in the uh, the little, um, you know, what are those? The, the cigarette burns yes. and stuff like that in the corners and all that stuff. Why the hell do you film it in scope? Then. that's the fincher thing he fincher is such a <laughs> digital guy like he loves scope. I know. he loves all this kind of thing and so when you're making a movie that is meant to be not scope which is meant to be kind of yeah. i don't know what ratio those movies are it, it should um, be it should be academy ratio it should, it should be, be academy ratio yeah it should be the same ratio with citizen kane exactly if you're gonna do all that stuff you, so yes. that that was a choice i was like i don't get this and i thought it looked it didn't look like film it looked digital and it did it, yeah it was just, because Fincher's movies like, always look digital. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm sort of like you know if you're if you're gonna do it, you know do it. Yeah. I mean, and if you you could shoot it on digital and and have it still have a quality, but it's so it's murky. It it, it yeah, I don't know. Which I'm, is not, I'm going I'm going yeah. off on Mank, and I shouldn't go off. No, on I I agree with all those points because I think yeah. he's trying to do what his father wanted, but yet Fincher is Fincher. And he's yeah. not a film director, which is okay. Because yeah. I think when you're watching Social Network on this, 
perfectly scope in scope it's yeah beautifully it works digital. for that it yeah. works because you are yeah. telling this kind of up-to-date story of what that kind of thing is and even when you're looking at zodiac mm-hmm. which is again in scope it's this bigger than life story about obsession so it kind of works even though it was yeah. in the 60s 60s yes um 60s 70s um but yeah mag Mm. um but no yeah. so, but social network is amazing and has some amazing performances <laughs> what is going to be your second trailer oh gosh this has been so hard because mm. like i said i have literally one two three four five six seven eight l- movies written down yeah and every single one of them would be a banger yeah with this so i'm gonna go maybe a little off the beaten path here and choose oh god this is so hard i'm probably just gonna have to mention the other ones in our conversation yeah me too yeah i've got quite a few i'm gonna go with leap of faith just off the main highway at a wide spot in the road is rustwater kansas prime pickens for jonas nightingale Part showman. I hear Satan knocking, but he can't come in. Part salesman. We don't need no preacher selling us a lot of bunks. I'm not selling bunks, friend. I'm giving it away. Messiah of the interstate. Take a whiff at what just walked in. Special today's steak. No liver, no fish, no ham, no spinach. An awful lot of nose there, Marva. No lip. She wants me. I think you should stick with your Bible pointers. First row, the white shirt, back row. And you, sir, come on up on stage and cure your backaches. You don't care what these people need. Their truck broke down and you're looking to cash in. I give my people a good show. The Steve Martin movie. I was thinking of this one. Yeah. I haven't seen it in such a long time, though. So I was a bit worried about it. Yeah. yeah. I, I revisit this movie every few years. Mm. And it is just... Uh, it's very funny, but it's also really poignant. And I think I just love the, it's sort of like he's a con man, but no one plays a likable con man like Steve, Steve Martin. Yeah. Uh, somehow you, you just kind of, you, you know, he's a charlatan, but he's also built this sort of family of people that tour on this bus and they're and he's he's a scoundrel and all that but you know it's amazing what you know he fakes all these miracles but then a real one happens and he just doesn't know what to do with it yeah and but i think obviously the reason i chose it is because of the howard beale character yes the being the prophet you know the big preaching and all that kind of stuff uh that was going on another one that i thought to go with this would be elmer gantry which is uh, burt lancaster doing a similar kind of thing. oh i haven't seen that one it's a good movie yeah it's a really really good movie and i've tried to you know i've mentioned it on a couple other shows as well i think um in conjunction with movies like this yeah um i, I think i put it with uh nightmare alley when i talked with oh. daniel, daniel epler yeah um, but it was it's just okay but leap of faith is it's just a it's just a cool movie and it's got meatloaf in it so you it have does. a little bit of uh <laughs> the connection Wayne's to Wayne's world connection to Wayne's um, world, yeah <laughs> yeah and uh but 
it's one of my favorite Steve Martin performances because it's so nuanced uh, in how he he just goes from being this total fraud who's trying to you know uh, take advantage of the rubes mm. uh, to by the end you get a hint that he actually cares that he that... actually and he may even believe that. You know, even though I came into this with bad intentions, there's some good that is coming out of this. Because there's this beautiful moment where the just people sitting around the campfires caring for each other. Mm. And it's just a beautiful scene. And He I does just, that a lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, even in um, Bowfinger, when he's yeah. literally, he does the same thing. Like, I think Steve Martin loves kind of playing this cynical with a heart. And he does yeah. it really well. I mean, he does it really well. Bowfinger yeah. is a great example. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, he's pulling off this major concert. We can make a movie, but then he kind of actually has affection for the people that these Muppets he's kind of created around him. And mm -hmm. from memory, that's very much leap of faith. I know I really want to see Pennies from Heaven. Which oh, I know is a Pennies very different movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Steve Martin's a better actor, I think people give him credit for because I see him as oh, the, yeah. the comedian with the arrows out of his head. And he's actually a really smart comedian and he knows how to play the pathos with the mm -hmm. um, thing. And I think it's really good to show a trailer with a little bit of pathos in it because we are going to get into a movie that has none of it. Well, right. well, I'm actually going to say there are two characters that have a little bit of pathos and they just get trampled. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyone who has a little mm -hmm. bit of ounce of feeling just gets railroaded very, very yep. quickly in this movie. So uh, you did have a genre pick, but I'm going to bring that up later. Uh, I had another one too. Yeah. I, oh, what am I going to do? I am actually, you know what? I am going to go for a movie that I keep screaming about because I discovered it just randomly and it hit me so hard. And that is Force of Evil from 1948. <laughs> broken man to love break your husband i'm not a nickel i don't spend my life in a telephone if that's what you want for love you can't use me you're not strong or weak enough you're the only one i ever talked to doris you're the only one i ever talked to and i don't know why except that you caught me tonight when i would have talked to the devil sure fico is better for the combination he's a killer and he wants to kill me, don't you, Fico? I will. Like you had Bauer killed. Like Bauer. Like my brother. Yeah, like your brother. You killed before, now you want to kill again. Well, I'm not going to end up on the river in the rocks like my brother. I'll walk out of here alive to hang the both of you. This movie, if you have not seen it, I think it is streaming now. So it is It is direct, it directed by Abraham Polanski, who was very much... Um, uh -huh. Uh, swept up in McCarthy's, um, I think he was McCarthy's uh, witch hunt. He was completely blacklisted. Um, mm -hmm. I think he did make a couple movies after in like the late 60s when all that kind of started falling away. Um, it stars John Garfield, who McCarthy just straight up murdered. I mean, yes, he had heart problems and he was looking after himself. But the stress of having to testify in front of the um, uh, the committee pretty much killed the man. Um, it has got in Ride the Pink Horse, which I think he did. He actually, no, I think he did win an Oscar for it. Uh, cause it's basically about this gangster who realizes that they can manipulate the Italian lottery for their own benefits. And it is a relationship between two brothers. One who's trying to do it legitimately, even though it is very illegal. The, the lottery in the 1940s in New York was an illegal underground thing, but it was started out to help the Italian community. And then of course it got taken up by, um, the mafia and all that kind of thing. 
and it is pretty much one of the best cr- movies that criticizes capitalism I have ever seen, which is why it's called Force of Nature. It is. Sure. And Scorsese took, if you think Scorsese took most of his film shots from um, Pressburger and Powell, watch this movie because some of it's straight out of good. I mean, he took, he lifted a few things and just put it straight in Goodfellas. And he does do an introduction on my Blu-ray, but it is right on. Yeah. such a magical, brilliant, insightful, John Garfield should have had uh, Marlo Brando's career. It is Goddamn amazing. Um, yeah, Marie Windsor shows up in it. It's Thomas Gomez, sorry, not Leo Gomez. He plays Leo. But Leo and when John Garfield are fighting is some of the best scripted things I've seen on on screen. It is incredible. Awesome. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So force of nature. Uh force of evil. Sorry, did I say force, force? of for no force of evil? Yeah. I'll go back force and change it evil. evil. No, I no, I think I I think you said it right. I said yeah. it wrong. But yeah, it is kind of one of those films that I hope gets more appreciation because it's filmed on location in New York. It's got some amazing shots. There's a mate, there's a shot when he's John Garford is walking up to a church in Wall Street, and I think it was um Alexander Hamilton's church or where he's buried or something. And just the way the sinister nature of it, oh, it's so so good. So um yeah, there's a few other <laughs> way few other movies I got to chosen, but yeah, I'm gonna scram about Force of Evil, yeah. and uh, hopefully another person watches it and goes, "Holy shit, <laughs> what is going on?" Yeah, and with that, we are going to get into well, I yeah, Netflix's straight up masterpiece. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like at this moment to announce that I will be retiring from this program in two weeks' time because of poor ratings. Since this show was the only thing I had going for me in my life. I have decided to kill myself. I'm going to blow my brains out right on this program a week from today. What the hell's going on? Prepare yourself for a perfectly outrageous motion picture. Howard Beale went up there last night and said what every American feels, that he's tired of all the bull... sakes, Diana, we're talking about putting a manifestly irresponsible man on national television. I am not putting Howard back on the air. It's not your show anymore, Max. It's mine. I got a feeling I'm being made. You are. Uh, I've got to warn you, I, I don't do anything on my first date. We'll see. I want a show developed based on the activities of a terrorist group. Well, I'm mad. I want to make a TV star out of you. Just like Archie Bunker. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and DuPont and Exxon. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. When did you first see this movie? Um, it's not a I, cable favorite. <laughs> no, I. Well, we didn't really have cable when mm. when I was a when I was a kid. But mm. um, sorry, I'm I'm buying Force of Evil right this second Yay! <laughs> uh, so okay there we go it'll be here mm. soon okay all right <laughs> sorry um i c- must have seen this okay when i was in college the afi's top 100 greatest movies came out um their list came out and 
I realized I, th- I, th- I fancied myself a, a film, a cineast, a cinephile, whatever yes. you want to call it. And I hadn't seen or even heard of a lot of the movies on that list. And mm-hmm. so I thought this seemed like a good place to start to educate myself. I'd seen a couple of I th- I'm pretty sure I'd seen 12 Angry Men already. Mm. Um, I had seen, I had been interested in Al Pacino. So I saw Dog Day Afternoon and yeah. uh, Serpico. But Network was kind of like, this sounded um, a mo- like a movie that would be over my head. Mm. Uh, but by the it time I was in college. Stuffy. It does. Yeah. When you read yeah, the synopsis, it, it does sound like a very snopper. And it did win all the Oscars the year mm-hmm. it was released and it does sound like an Oscar bait sure. kind of movie. Then you watch sure. the thing. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is after I watched um, the Godfather, I, I also, I've it's, it's pretty much all the actors in that movie. I just wanted to see things by them. Yeah. So Robert Duvall was one of them. And so when I saw Robert Duvall was in it, I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, and Faye Dunaway. Cause I think I'd seen Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. And so I, I was like, okay, uh, I think I'm in my junior, senior year of college. I'm probably good to see Network finally. So it was somewhere in that vicinity that I saw it for the first time. Uh, so a, a little over 20 years ago now. Mm. Um, and it was, uh, it kind of still went over my head at the time, but yeah. I was still, but this was, you know, um, at that time, uh, uh, reality TV was starting to boom. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing was going on. And so I could see all that happening in it. It's like, oh, wow. Mm. Um, that's, there's a lot that's really interesting impression about this. And, you know, being raised um, fairly religious and um, still, you know, being a churchgoer, on, mm. at least on occasion, um, it was... It was interesting to see. I mean, I never went to that kind of church that he's sort of playing off of in this movie. But like the leap of faith kind of. Yeah, I never, yeah. that wasn't, that wasn't the kind that I grew up with. Much more grounded <laughs> down to earth kind of thing. Um, but there was, uh, uh, but there's something about the sort of mad preacher, the mad prophet thing yeah. um, appealed to me. I found that interesting because uh, I always find that fascinating, even mm. though I was never a part of that tradition. Yeah. Um, so, so it it's one of those movies that just takes, for me, it took a while to really get what they were doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, because I was just sort of the same when that AFI list came out. If you, uh, yeah, about fifteen years ago, I decided to educate myself and actually go, well, I actually haven't seen a lot of these movies. So I kind of went through the ones I could get a hold of. And mm-hmm. yeah, the first time I saw Network, it mostly went over my head. Like it was way more cutting than I thought it would be. Like I thought, oh, mm-hmm. this is going to be Gandhi or whatever I thought an Oscar picture winner was. And it wasn't yeah. that. It was way more cutting, but a lot of it went over well, it my head. it didn't win Best Picture. No, it famously, famously, yeah. a little movie about a boxer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is a pretty good one. The man was um, he openly but, was just like, "Fuck you." Well, it's crazy because you look at that Oscar year look, was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think of and there were three movies up against 
um rocky, rocky. Yeah. i would count four because i love uh, uh blaze of glory like i adore that movie and i yeah because oh, that's a hell hb yeah oh it's so good oh okay i haven't seen it yeah, um, it's so good. Yeah, not familiar with it, but but the the ones that are probably most memorable. Yeah, those three. Taxi, yeah, taxi, yeah driver. taxi driver network in Nashville. It's just like, wow. And <laughs> you also, know, yeah, all the president's men as well was in there. All the like, president's men. Okay, yeah. I forgot about that one too. Yeah, but it's just like, wow, really? <laughs> I know. Like, I don't get me wrong. I love Rocky. I love my Rocky. I love movies. Rocky too. I will yeah, wa- we... watch Rocky three. You. Rocky guy, have you talked about Rocky on the show? Yeah, just we talked about yeah. it. Yeah, um, uh, Mike Snoonian came on yes. recently, actually, yeah. and talked about Rocky with us. And uh, it's actually one of our best shows, I think. It's yeah. really, he it was really good. And I, I was, I went through and I watched all the Rocky movies that weekend, and it just sort of put a song in my heart. So it does. Speak. It was, it's a, they're very inspiring. And I think that's where the nation needed what the nation needed at that time. And and so to have something as cynical and satirical as network uh, and as, you know, sort of dark and disturbing as taxi driver and sort of um, reminding us of Watergate as all the president's men and then as sort of weird and avant garde and strange and as nashville and as nashville i mean it's not avant-garde is probably not the right word but it's it's altman doing altman on high i think yeah yeah yeah, it's it's the ultimate ultimate movie yeah uh in a lot of ways because that movie also confused me the because that was on the afi list as well and i was national for the first time and just went what i don't understand any of this what was there oh so there's no plot (laughs) i also dropped nashville on my list uh, mm. of possible movies to go with this oh. because yeah because because th- there was um this one talk radio uh the howling um all around that time you have the idea of a celebrity being assassinated yes in view of people and yeah. like you know it's it's not just well except for talk radio it's it's that's a little different but yeah um, but the others were, it's just oh, like, talk radio would have been perfect. Yeah. Front of people. <laughs> yeah. I know talk radio was the first one I wrote down, Yeah, uh, but I went with the howling instead, but, um, but those movies are just all about, and they predate, you know, the Lennon assassin, kind of, uh, the John Lennon assassination. So it's just sort of like <laughs> this, it was in the air and that's yeah. a scary thought. Um, it, that this was coming down the pike and these movies sort of, you know, presaged that. I know. It's, it's. I mean, when I look at the list of what could have won the Oscar, I'm like, really? Rocky, when you had like all the President's Men, mm-hmm. um, Nashville, um, you know, Network and freaking Taxi Driver, which had already won Khan. But those movies yeah. are so cynical. They're so... They really are. I mean, I love Taxi Driver. I don't find it an easy movie to watch. And you know, it's, it's by design. It's... That's by design. Like, it's not. Scorsese wasn't making... That's right. I'm going to make you love, fall in love with Travis Bickle. That was like, oh, no, no I want that's you not to the be repulsed by this man. Like, I want you to look at him and go, mm, no. <laughs> that was the first... Uh, the reason I've watched Taxi Driver a lot. Yeah, uh, I I actually put it on my original list of our five ever favorites. Yeah, and even though Goodfellas is probably the one I prefer to watch. Yeah, oh yeah, Goodfellas is just a good time. <laughs> yeah, but the reason why I picked it, and I, and it's hard for me to articulate this, um, 
it wasn't because I related necessarily all that deeply to Travis Bickle because I, mm. I I don't, but I understood except for you know the whole idea of the lonely man yeah. situation and that I get, but that's not w- what I got out of the movie when I first saw it. My first reactions to it were, I know this is a great movie and I see that, but I don't understand why. Oh, that was me as well. It took me, I've seen yeah. it a couple of times. And I had, because yeah. with Scorsese, I always understand why one of his movies is great. It's just, yeah. he puts it all on screen. There's never the subtext of, he doesn't hide his camera tricks. Like he's not right. like a particular, oh no, he is kind of subtle, but he's not with, he's very open. I would probably say it's probably a better word. Taxi yeah. driver is something different. Like you, yeah. I, I'm like, why is that? Why can't I stop watching this even though I yeah. want to leave the room? Like there's a That's right. Yeah. It, it, it's it's uh so it was sort of me watching it to try and figure out why this great movie was so great. Yeah. And, and so that I w- ended up watching a lot and eventually it just sound, kind of became this is a weird thing to say. It became comfort. It, mm. it I I I cuz I knew all the I knew what was going on. I knew the scenes. I I, I knew um what was happening so um so that that that's why it sort of became and then i sort of eventually it's all kind of clicked and i i understood what this movie was Mm. which you know it's a very disturbing film obviously but there's but it's so well done i mean i i legitimately love that movie though i don't enjoy watching it very much anymore yeah it's it's a, it's a hard work watch especially when you get older mm-hmm. for some reason yeah. um yeah. because you know i think because you just meet more people and you know a travis yeah. Bickle and you know that yeah. rage i mean that's kind of what mm-hmm. i but why i'm more drawn to say network than i am say taxi sure. driver is because i know what Beal and uh, Faye Dunaway are doing. They are tapping yeah. into a specific kind of anger, which they I was are. actually considering, speaking of Danny Boyle, putting 28 Days Later um, sure. on, which is a movie that generally terrified me. And the first time I watched it, yeah. I actually tried to return, <laughs> almost tried to return my DVD because I didn't understand why it looked like it was shot on VHS. Because sure. it was. Um, it was, right. Yeah, it was well, shot on VHS. About, yeah. <laughs> one of the things I like about Network is I haven't seen it that often. Uh, yeah. So when I watch it, it always kind of surprises me yes i know ultimately where it's going i know that beale's going to get shot at the end mm. but the how it gets there genuinely kind of surprises me yeah i i, I forget what's coming next yeah and, i keep yeah, me too even though yeah. i've seen it four or five times because like with you with taxi driver i go back to network because the first time i watched it i went okay this is a great movie why is it a great movie yeah. and i wanted mm-hmm. to go back and kind of go um Okay, well, with us when you, when you watch Rocky, you're like, oh, even even the or the president's men, it's instantly. I know why yeah. this is a great movie. They're very easy on the eye in some respect. In some respect, sure. But sure. network, they're they're easy to I, they're easy on the emotions too. Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, even though all the president's men is a very cynical movie, you uh-huh. have good people doing a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, you, like, you those understand. Are the reporters that you, you understand want. they're the heroes. You understand yeah. they're the heroes. Whereas you watch network. There are no heroes in this movie. No, I mean the only <laughs> everyone. Oh, there, everyone's hero, a hero in their own mind. Will Holden is too tired to be a hero. Like if he yeah, actually right. wasn't so 
beaten by the time the movie starts, he might have actually tried to stand up for it because he kind of does a few, he tries. Like he just says, this isn't a good idea. But ultimately he doesn't have the energy to actually fight any of this. Yeah, it's like we're not putting Howard, I'm not putting Howard back on the air. It's like, well. Well, you're putting Howard, well, actually, no, he is. (laughs) Five minutes later, he's back on the air. Um, It is, yeah, he just, I mean, him and Beatrice Strait. I mean, anyone who says Beatrice Strait shouldn't have won the Oscar, watch that goddamn oh. monologue. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is why that, she that won is, the Oscar. It's, it's I know a whole she's movie and a, and a monologue. Seriously, people. <laughs> I know she's technically the in, shortest. She's uh, five, uh, barely five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, she's in. She's in the scene mm. where she gives, but before that, she's in just one other moment in the yeah. movie. Yeah, and she's literally um, just waking. Holding up. It's yeah. same with same with Ned Betty. Same yeah. with Ned Beatty. Oh, you see him once, he, and then you comes he in nods, and does the scene, and then he comes in and does the scene. Yeah. Uh, so many best scenes in network. <laughs> and and it's just um. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. But this was because had I seen William Holden before this? Uh, yes, I had seen Sunset Boulevard. Yes. And I had seen a Bridge on the River Kwai. Mm. I actually think it was a bridge Maybe. after Network. I don't remember. It was around the same time. Yeah, and I might have seen uh, The Wild Bunch, but I don't think so. Uh, the Wild Bunch feels like that. I, I saw that later. Yeah. But um, it's hard. I mean, who knows? I, I didn't have Letterbox then. I didn't have the exact date of when I watched what movie in my life. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Time. I watched the AFI so. pretty close together. So I think it was mm-hmm. just a big William Holden show because I know the Wild Bunch is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Bridge on the Weather Quiet Cries on there. Network is on there. Sunset Ball that I had definitely seen. Um, I don't yep. think when I watched Network, I put the two and two together because, uh, yeah, and, and um, yeah. Sunset Boulevard was an absolute almost trailer pick. Um, that in Ace in the Hole, but 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 with um, sure. Kirk Douglas, he realizes he's a monster as he dies. Um, yeah. He, yeah. He, well, I don't know if he has things... remorse, but I think he knows he's a monster <laughs> needs to die. <laughs> well, one of the things that I remember about Sunset Boulevard for the first time was I didn't realize it was William Holden in the pool at the beginning. No, neither did I. Yeah, because and I that- just didn't recognize him as as an actor at that yeah. time. And my dad, we had to stop it. My dad said, oh, yeah, well, you know, you know how it ends already, right? Because he he's going to get shot. It's like, wait, what? what? It's like, yeah, he's in the pool at the beginning of the movie. It's like, I, I was, I remember being mad because I felt like he spoiled the movie. Because you forget, you all, every single time, even though I've seen yeah. Sunset Boulevard so many times. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies. I mean, that movie is yeah. mostly Norma Desmond for me, but... Yeah, I always forget that it's holding in the pool. Like, I know, it's, I know. It's such it's a, a way amazing narrative, yeah. just the amazing narrative trick that you just do not yeah. remember that it's him. And I wanted, I was thinking of putting a Billy Wilder in front of this because even though I think Sidney Lumet took to the seventies like a duck to water, like he was already making these kinds of movies anyway, and then the seventies just allowed him to just do Dog Day Afternoon and mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. I. Even though Lumet doesn't write his own movies, he feels like a prodigy of Wilder, just in the tone and the way sure. and the kind of sharpness of his of his movies. Like he yeah. always chose really great scripts. Like even um Pelham Absolutely. Pelham One Two Three 
that is an amazing script. And then he gets mm. all the amazing um, character actors you could put in a movie and you're just sitting there like Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen at every single one, which yeah. usually happens when I see Marty Bolson pop up. But he sure. does, he, there's a sharp, there's a simil- similarity in tone to both filmmakers. Mm-hmm. It's just Wilder didn't quite adapt to the 70s like I thought he would have after seeing Avanti. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Wilder's best work sort of ends in the '60s, but it does. It, it's it's um, um, yeah, I think he sort of peaks with the apartment. Honestly, he yeah, yeah, he does. Like you make the apartment, and there's no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like some of the stuff after. I think the yeah, fortune cookies. Uh, I like fun fortune cookies. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but. I forgot what I was going to say. I'm sorry. No, I, was good. I, was like, gonna... I, I just Every... tried to do okay, it with here, here's, the, here's the thing with me and Lamette. Every yeah. time I watch a Sidney Lamette movie, I get I inch a little bit closer to just declaring him my favorite filmmaker. Me too. Because um, every and, and not everything he made was great. Uh, I don't. He made a lot. He made a lot of movies, though. I don't mm. particularly love The Wiz. Uh, oh shit! I forgot he made the list. <laughs> you know, I don't think he was the right guy no. for that job. No. Um, <laughs> I I tried watching A Long Day's Journey into Night, and I just couldn't do it. Uh, it mm. it just didn't work for me. Uh, but you look at, I mean, just right out of the gate, you've got Twelve Angry Men, which is one of the few, just like absolutely perfect. Is that um, on your five of five, or was that Michelle? No, it, actually, uh, it was. It, you've done that was an episode one of our on it. First, it was one of our first episodes. Yeah, uh, and it was. It was our. I think our. I want to say our father's birth year movies. Oh yes, because I know. Uh, yeah, because I remember you yeah. talking about it. And yeah. 12, I was so surprised by Twelve Angry Men because and you're in a room. I mean, it's based on a play. Yeah, I it's love... one of the great film debuts of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's up there with Citizen Kane in my mind. It's up yeah. there with Citizen Kane. It's up there with Manchurian Candidate. It's up there with Blood Simple. Oh, wait, I is mean, Manchurian the... Candidate Frankenheimer's first movie? Yeah. Shit. Okay. Wow. That that's insane. Um. I, I mean, unless I'm mistaken, there might be. I mean, but the, you know, the, like Frankenheimer and Lamette, I think I actually would compare even more than oh, uh, yeah. anyone because I mean, they both started on live TV, mm. so they knew how to how to make a movie quick <laughs> yes and they knew how to make a movie good but uh, it's and, the camera movements in yeah. 12 angry men really surprised me because mm-hmm. he knew how to make one room cinematic and he never repeated yeah. himself like i don't think right. there's a camera move he yeah. repeats in the same way he may do things yep. for, for to get the effect but you're watching t- literally 12 guys argue and he's moving the camera around and yeah you you get so absorbed in that movie and it's not just because of the Henry Fonda performance, which is great, but it is everything happening around him. And yeah, you're right. Frankenheimer is very similar. I have only just started to come to appreciate Frankenheimer in the last couple of years, but those two feel very much like contemporaries. They started in TV and then, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Frankenheimer, you know, is sort of notorious for making more bad movies. Yes. (laughs) You know, he was less consistent, but he made some, he had some really high highs. I mean, The Train, for example, a great movie. The Train is so good. Yeah, but then, you know, (laughs) The French Connection 2, which I understand is a fine movie. I haven't seen it. It's fun. I will say it's a fun watch. It's not um, Friedkin's French Connection, but it is, it's a fun time. 
Yeah. Well, and I guess Friedkin sort of begged him not to make it <laughs> because he admired his, him too much. I got a sneaky suspicion that Friedkin did that a lot. <laughs> to, yeah. to people, don't make a sequel to my movie, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but then, you know, he, he makes Ronin, sort of his late career movie. But then again, he also makes Reindeer Games and Island of Dr. Moreau, you know. Yeah. But, you, know, uh, you know, but but then Seconds is a masterpiece. Seconds is his best movie. And that is yeah. saying something considering he did The Train Manchurian and Candidate. Manchurian Candidate, which yeah. is so good. But Seconds is a movie that feels like it literally comes out of nowhere. Like, even though it's got like a, a Twilight Zone setup, yeah, that Rock Hudson performance. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's sort is, of like of its generation. It's sort of uh, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. No, what I what I mean is, yeah. it's sort of like a like you know, decades later, you have Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which yeah. has got this sort of Twilight Zoney uh, uh, sci-fi conceit to it mm. to tell a very human story. Yeah, and 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 I think that's what Seconds does so well. Yeah, um, and it's just that idea you know that and commenting on age and all that it's going on with that yeah. is ah oh, it's it's so good especially with rob hudson who had such a specific persona mm-hmm. yeah. um mm-hmm. i mean his persona has changed over time considering now we know more about his sexuality and we see sure. some of his movies differently but seconds mm-hmm. is taking a um hunky almost b-grade movie star even though he was insanely popular um and taking him and just flipping him into such a certain extent that you did not think he had that performance no in him which yep yeah and when i say big right yeah. i freaking love circles doug movies i love pillow talk mm-hmm. i love all those movies so it's not i'm just sort of saying he was never at the um he was more the matinee movie star sure he was a matinee idol for sure he was a matinee, matinee idol that he was mm-hmm. um like a his contemporaries like a burt lancaster or something sure mm-hmm. mm. um but yeah actually talking about movie stars and network i mean i've always considered network a more of a patty tchaikovsky sure sure patty tchaikovsky yeah patty tchaikovsky because he was on set he was giving hints mm-hmm. on how he wanted things shot i mean this he's is a his, producer on it yeah. he was a producer on it this is his baby i've always sort of um thought of i mean Sidney Lumet made a lot of movies for hire so this was not like he yeah, was not yeah like the or two is like oh this is my baby i'm building up from the ground up but when you, because I I got lucky and watched it on a big screen, when you're seeing some of those camera moves and just the way he's m- mimicking the cameras on 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 screen, and just the the way he suddenly puts people on in frame, you're like, yeah, you're the you're you're the best. You okay? Yeah. Yes, you made the whiz. There are some there are some movies that aren't as good, but when you were on fire, especially in the seventies, no one mm-hmm. could beat you i mean yeah yeah. i mean this is man who made dog day afternoon this he made 12 angry men i mean i think uh, he was i think he was making great movies all the way up to the end i think Mm. before the devil knows you're dead is is the movie is the movie of a young man i mean that is uh, it feels like it's like it's like like hitchcock yeah it's like when hitchcock made frenzy yes it's just it just has that energy to it and i actually think that like find me guilty was okay um he did guilty like as he- sin has one of the best don johnson performances ever because they just let sure. him go berserk and that is just a erotic th- that is i say just i love erotic thrillers but it is yeah. one of those movies from the 90s and he kills it yeah yeah i mean he just he just uh, then you know for me like 
in the 80s he did um the verdict I, I the verdict which i i'm trying to decide is that my favorite lumet movie it might be um it's my favorite uh newman performance oh it yeah dog day afternoon i think might be my listen network close second it's so hard to pick and you know the thing is lumet is our is our top uh well actually i think he's number two now because i think we've done one more Wes craven movie than sydney lumet movie yeah but but we've done three sydney lumet movies we did the verdicts we did um dog day afternoon and we did 12 angry men and Mm. those and I, I have a feeling we're probably going to do more eventually, but yeah, uh, those just were some of our best conversations because there's just so much to dig into with um, him. And but you're right, this is Chavsky's movie. But you see, um, I think that Lumet's filmmaking style really works well with his words because it's like a play it is it's very it's very the the words are very much like you would hear on a stage and that is the way he made movies that's why lumet made movies he rehearsed over and over and over because you know rehearsal time is cheaper than film time yes uh they don't do it as much when you hear actors yeah. say we got to rehearse everyone's like you got to rehearse uh yeah. but i know there was a because i watched on the um i watched an interview with ethan Hawke talking about before the devil knows you dead and he mm-hmm. did talk about the rehearsal time and yeah. how him and um hoffman just got to be in a room together everyone else and then just were able to get their beats their lines everything down and then when they got to shoot they just knew it and could just um Mm-hmm. could just do it and this feels like it does because this is apparently one of the few movies that Faye Dunaway didn't mess with um because mm-hmm. I think Sydney told her as soon as she sat down this is not a role that you're going to have any vulnerability in you're not a human being you are this is your character and if you try I'm going to cut it out in the edit so yep. it's you're not going to have any control over this so just play it as Patty wants you to and yep. She did, and she looked at the script and went, "Oh, this is almost poetry." And I'm like, "Yeah, this script has a meter to meter to it." There is, yeah. I mean, the scene when you have um, Robert Duvall, and just after um, Beale has gone and pretty much, uh, he's he's messing with uh, uh, Beatty's money and basically talking about this deal that's about to go through, that is really important to the company that owns the network, and he's basically saying all this Saudi money mm-hmm. is coming into the country. And right. then they had this amazing thing of Faye Dunaway talking about how you can't take him off the air. He's too good. He's he's giving us, she's talking, she always talks in rating percentages or points, whatever yep. that term is. And Robert Duvall is talking in hard cash. Like he's talking about his career yep. and the fact that the money's gone. And it's these two conflicting kind of personas, which I think is kind of at the heart of the push and pull of the actual movie. It has nothing to do with Beale as a puppet um william holden is essentially a puppet like they are not Mm -hmm. it is more i mean i kind of think it's more william holden's story than it is beale's story but i think the whole thing is is duval and um dunaway talking over trying to talk over each other or just together in a room they're kind of faced different ways and it sounds like a symphony of words like an orchestra like everyone's kind of playing their Mm -hmm. tone their whatever and that's what it is and that is kind that is the movie it is what it what matters more ratings or money yeah i mean yep. ratings means money but it 
Faye Dunaway feels like she's in it for more the ratings than the actual money. I mean, her her part, her, her house is shitty, which I kind of love. She doesn't actually care that oh, much no. about money. She just wants good ratings because that's what she thinks she's good at. Yeah, she's uh, that line where she where they're talking. And she says, "I'm not good at anything except yes. my career." I love that. Is scene and, so much. And when they go away for the weekend, that's a dirty talk. <laughs> <laughs> that her dirty talk is rating shares talking about ratings le- and legal issues with the friggin oh my god that show literally turns her on i yeah. think that is one of the funniest scenes in this movie yeah and you know and you know it's funny because you watch the for me i watched the documentary on the making of this mm. and and i i don't know it's just a thing with me i like doing those i like watching those but um one of the things i uh, suddenly met comments endlessly about mm. in that is because he was still with us when this was when the dvd mm. was made uh he he just said was talking about how funny the movie was and it is and, and the thing is it hadn't really occurred to me mm. before this watch how funny it is it's darkly um, funny that you shouldn't be laughing yeah. at it but yes it is yeah. very funny yeah yeah and i think i laughed out loud when uh howard beale gets up there and says i just ran out of bullshit yes <laughs> and that was like oh it's a comedy that's when yeah. i realized it i think yeah and i was like oh duh this yeah. is funny because when and, yeah when do you, when you think howard beale has his epiphany that he is mm-hmm. actually the mad prophet do you think he's actually buying into his own bullshit or he realizes the con i think he, he i think he realizes the con more than anything else but he knows he needs to play a he needs to play a role oh man i don't know yeah it's 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 very interesting he because he has uh, before his uh famous i'm as mad as hell and i'm not going to take this anymore he he has this whole other speech where he says he he hears the voice of someone you know he's, yes they show him yeah. restless in the night there and he says um um, and, and they, they told him, you know, why, and he asked why me, and this is because you're on television dummy. Mm. Um, and he shares that with the audience. And I think it's interesting because that is actually prophetic mm. of the scene with Ned Beatty. Yeah. And because those are the words that Ned Beatty uses and then his response is, so I've seen the face of God. So he's going to, and then he just begins to spout everything that. that Ned Beatty just told him. Yeah, as the, the head of this corporation wants Ned Beatty to, is to God. say. Mm. Yeah, because now, because the, the, the dollars and cents mm. are the God now, mm. where, you know, whereas the rate, but it that's not what the people want to hear they mm. they want to hear and the thing is what's what's crazy is you know he's 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 spouting all this populist kind of rage mm. and watching this in the post trump era is just kind of frightening frightening mm. because you know you see that how how easily people can can be brought into this whole I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore scenario. 
Mm. Well, no, I think it's because of the post-Trump era and the present Murdoch era. Um, which oh, well, yeah, I mean, to, to call it call it post-Trump is maybe a little bit presumptuous. Presumptuous. I, I hope it's the post-Trump era. Is we, what I'm please saying. let it be the post-Trump era. But in this kind yeah. of era, watching it now, that's why I'm kind of wondering how much um, Beale played deliciously by Peter Finch is um, wondering how much of it is he's actually buying into his own mad godness, whether he's actually... um, Whether he believes his own, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering, because when he says, I stared at the face of God, he's talking about Ned Beatty. So it's not... And I think he's, in just the way, it's kind of confusing how the way Lumet shoots this, because when you've got that amazing speech, when that scene, because there's like, okay, one of the many that scenes, when Ned Beatty is giving his amazing monologue on how there is no countries, there is no borders, there is just money. And yeah. we gave it to the Saudis, and then now they need to put it back into this country. That is the ebb and flow of capitalism. And his face, uh, Beale's face is either in awe or fear. Yes. Both. But I don't know what Mm -hmm. that means, whether he's actually, whether he's understanding the reality of the situation or he thinks he's staring at God. So, but because I'm watching this in a world where newscasters are just blatantly not even pretending anymore that that they are going for, like Beale is, that he's, they're going for that rage. That's right. Populist rage. There's no pretending anymore. This is this is just well, and that's exactly. I'm kind of and that's exactly what Faye Dunaway wants. Yeah, that's what she wants. She She says, "I want angry shows. I want angry shows that incite rage." And I mean, I still think the funniest scene is when you've got the um, ELC. The sure, yeah, um, Mm -hmm. and they're and they're screaming about um, overheads, and because I've always sort of said the the best communists are the best capitalists. I mean, yeah, they that um, scene is so funny with friggin' Lars Henderson's in his in his friggin' blue suit. It is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Again, because it's all about overhead. It's always going to be about overhead. <laughs> when they're talking about the contracts, it's so funny. Oh I mean, my it's god! A, and and you have you know little baby Lance Henriksen in there. Yeah. Um, you know who was also in Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, yeah, and he's I also realize it. popped up in um, Close Encounters, which I'm like, wait, he's in this. He was just yeah. popping up everywhere in the '70s. And, yeah. Yeah. In these really small parts, but yeah, yeah it's great. And but the, you notice him because he's goddamn Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Um, um it's but yeah but every single time someone is spouting a political philosophy they don't mm-hmm. mean it and beale is the only one uh no walden has moments when he's being genuine and i yeah. think he's genuine for most of the movie just he just doesn't give enough of a shit like he's fought yeah. too many battles lost most of them and i mean even when he says we're not putting beale on the air it is so half-hearted i mean i gotta love william holden so much in this movie um mm-hmm. it is yeah, he's just too tired. And so when you've got Beale actually, I'm, like, so I'm watching this going, okay, I don't actually know if you believe this bullshit or not. Like I, I still, mm-hmm. I'm leaning toward he doesn't only because of the world we now live in. Because yeah. that's how network works. I mean, everyone called it a satire when it came out. And Patty was like, no, I just wrote what was happening. And I'm like, oh my yep. God, this was happening in the 70s. God help us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so much worse now i mean when they talk about the you know when william holden's talking about the death hour at the beginning of the movie yeah it's like that is our 24 7 news cycle now yeah 
we don't have a news business. We have a bad news business. Yeah. And <clears throat> at least in the United States, I mean, I, I, I sometimes forget that I'm speaking internationally here. Um, but... Oh, I would say that the rest of the world has definitely, I mean, I was kind of thinking about this. Why America is one of the few countries in the world that has an absolute freedom of speech built mm-hmm. into their constitution. Most countries right. don't. Australia right. definitely doesn't. We have, um, laws of what you can and cannot say on the television. So you can't sort of go, you're oppressing my freedom of speech. There is no sure. that. If you break the standards. There are standards off. of practice in, uh, in for television. They, however, yeah. however, the, they're not, they don't apply to cable. They don't apply to, they apply to streaming yeah. and, and no, so all kinds of things. No, they, in Australia, they apply to different mm-hmm. things. I mean, they may not be exercised in terms of who you prosecute, who you don't. Mm-hmm. But there is no, um, there is no kind of baked into the actual foundation in, say, a lot of countries that America has. So American can just go, well, I can say whatever I want because it's freedom of speech. And now you're just starting to see the pushback a little bit, say, with, um, oh, douche nozzle who got sued to all corners because he kept lying about Sandy Hook. Um, oh, sure, sure, yeah, um, Alex Jones, yeah. Alex Jones, you're starting to see mm-hmm. that legal pushback, that civil legal pushback of it because yeah, you, these things well, do Well, I mean, and that's been going on a long time too. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, the, that's, the whole, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, I mean, it goes yeah. back to, it goes back a century, so. Yes, um, um, yeah. but cable could get away with it. And now I've just sort of noticed, oh, wait, there are actually people now suing it. These cases are taking decades, but there's actually yeah. pushback on on people screaming fire in yeah. a crowded theater and then going, yeah. oh, but wait, it was my freedom of speech. No, nah. Mm. No, nah, that, that's libel. I mean, that's, that that's, is libel. Yeah. That is a very different yeah. thing. So it yeah. is, so most countries do have, don't have this kind of thing of, I can say anything. In America, when they go, well, it's my freedom of speech. And they never say freedom of speech, but it's implied in everything Faye Dunaway is doing. Like when yeah. she's complaining about all the legal issues about how promoting crime and letting the ECI sure. just like rob banks and, and assassinate people on, on TV. She's trying to get away with the legal kind of thing going, no, if it's big enough, they can't get to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, actually you shoot the wrong person. Then all of a sudden it's going to come crashing down. It's just no one gave a shit about Beal. That was the, the thing it was he's not it is amazing distinction that um i think again it's the old man screaming at the clouds at the young kids that people who are brought up on television have no soul i don't think mm-hmm. that's it i just think faye dunaway does not have a soul and that is, <laughs> is kind of the issue that william holden keeps kind of saying oh no she's a child of a generation no she's just a straight-up psychopath what are you talking about <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, but again, you know, it's, uh, and if you think about it, this is the, the quote unquote greatest generation, yes. that would be William Holden and then the boomers. Yes. That would be Faye Dunaway. Dunaway. So, um, but the first generation brought up on television. Yes. Would be the boomers. Mm. And so I think that's the comment that's going on. It's like, yeah. you know, um, and it's interesting. And then that is generally the sort of thing that's leveraged against every generation since like generation mm. X, it was, we're talking about generations again, yeah. um, was MTV. We were the MTV generation. We yes. were brought up by sort of this subversive, um, vapid 
thing. Yeah. And then for millennials, it was the internet. Yes. And then for Zoomers, it's the social media. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what what is the current trend that makes you terrible? Yeah, and they were saying the same thing about radio when it was first out, that it was vapid, yeah. that it was mm-hmm. going to control minds, yeah. and that was the greatest generation. They were brought up on on radio, but the thing you were brought up on is never as bad as the thing that the next generation is right. brought up on. Like, <laughs> well, um, and, and, and in some ways, I wonder if that's not true. Though. Yeah, it's probably not true, Be- but... <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because um, you know, I look at the influence of social media and I go, wow, there's a lot of negativity in this as well. Um, and you know, you compare, you know, sort of the flood of information available on the internet compared to what I experienced in the eighties and nineties. And it's just like, it's, it's a different, it's a whole different animal. Um, Information and, is faster. I mean, even a network. And the thing talking is, about Beal once. A, no, he's on every night, but he was like a once a week, every night kind yeah, of thing. And that's a yeah. much slower drip of information than what yeah. you get now. And the thing is, you know, how to discern the information mm. that is, um, because I mean, you think of, if you think of the news cycle of the beginning of television, you got people like Murrow, you have mm. people like you know Walter Cronkite, mm. you know, uh, people who were delivering the news yeah they had a point of view personally yes but they delivered the news in a balanced in a genuinely fair and balanced way not a fox news fair and balanced way yeah you know what i mean so whereas now everything has become opinion everything that is shared on air is opinion there is Mm -hmm. no there is no um just dissemination of the news and information anymore um everything is um so you choose which form you want to hear which opinion so you we we end up we end up with all of these uh, echo chambers yes you know where no one ever hears anything that that they disagree with that has to grapple with it exactly i was just i think i had that in my notes um that i've I if there's an opinion i don't want to hear i don't have to listen to it and i think that's Good in some extreme senses, like I don't think sure. I need certain points of view in my head. Other oh, of times, course not. I think that's dangerous because I'm now in an echo chamber and I'm just mm-hmm. hearing what I want to hear. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't think there's always been, I don't necessarily believe in the completely um, uh, um, objective journalism. I think there's always been a point of view. Well, but, sure, of course. Well, it, but what yeah. I will, but I will. Well, I mean, say, you, even going back to Murrow, I mean, yeah. he he pushed back against McCarthy. And, exactly. You know, you know so, for example. Yeah, and yeah. and when it's something like McCarthy is taking a stand, when it's like yeah. Tucker Carlson, mm. it's pure evil. Like it's not. <laughs> I mean, these are not equate. I'm I'm equating things that shouldn't be equated, but it is, mm-hmm. um, a kind of thing. I mean, and because I live in a Commonwealth, we have the ABC, which is the Australian Broadcasting System, much like the BBC. But like sure. the BBC, it's getting attacked from all sides. Going, okay, they're too left leaning because they never talk about well, talk, they don't don't have enough concern when you actually look. No, actually, they do. But these people aren't meant to have opinions. They're just meant to deliver the news, and they kind of sure. get attacked for what you perceive as oh they're telling the news but it's like oh hang on that's not my side sure you're saying Mm -hmm. something bad about my side even though it's just a fact and i know the bbc is being attacked for it i know definitely the abc constantly gets reviewed for doing this and it's like no they're just saying what's happening that's just because it makes just because your government screwed up on something doesn't mean that they're attacking you it just means 
that happened. Sure. Um, and it is, it's kind of this thing that sort of still happens within Australia a lot. And we have different new sources, not just the um, ABC, but it is, I think that's the equivalent would be the PBS in America. That, sure. Because mm-hmm. it's American, it's a government funded. Or NPR. Yeah. NPR, yeah. And it is, but yeah, that sort of still happens. So it's like, can are you allowed to be um, no point of view when you're saying the news now? Because everything has to be opinion. So when you just state a fact, you're putting mm-hmm. an opinion onto it, which I think is... Yeah now really dangerous because we just can't have a fact (laughs) yeah it's um well and it's all very complicated i gotta say um which is why you know the movie i think is a little messy too because you know you you have you, whose side do you come down on in this movie? You really can't come down on anybody's side no, because I'm every, on Beatrice's every, side. That's who I'm yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, everybody kind of sucks, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in, unless you're you're Beatrice Beatrice Strait, and you're just you know, getting screwed over for yeah. just being a person <laughs> with feelings. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and. Uh, hmm. So. No, the, I, I no. The movie is a messy movie, and I think it feels like kind of design because, yeah, you. There's yeah, no by design. No, there's no, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't mean messy and as in poorly made or it's a shit. That's not what I mean at all. Uh, it, but it, it depicts. It's messy the way Taxi Driver is messy. I think it's probably. It, it, yeah, yeah, it has a point of view, but at the same time, it kind of lets you. Live in Faye Dunaway's with it all. Yeah, and you're in Faye Dunaway's shoes for a lot of it as well. I Mm -hmm. mean, and you want to have sympathy for her, but she never, except for the one line when she says, "Well, then you just how can you?" Yeah, there's only one line, and it's when it's when Will Holden or Max is breaking up with her because he's basically saying, "You are not a person. I can't do this. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know." He goes, "I want you to love me," and she goes, "Well, I can't do that." And then he goes well, you need me more than I need you because you are going to get to a stage when you are not going to be at the top of your game anymore. We don't see it happen, but Mm -hmm. you are just going to be, I think he's trying to say you'll be alone, but I don't think that's a fate worse than death for her. I think she's fine with that. But I think she goes, well, then stay with me. She's like saying, teach me how to be a person. And it's like, no one's going to teach you how to be a person. You were never whole to begin with um she has no yeah. her diana has no imagination every pitch she gives comes straight from the news because that's what she yep. reads she can't yep. um she can't conjure up an idea in her head and she's meant to be head of programming which is fictional and then she's instantly okay i'll take the news i know what i'm doing with the news and yeah that's the most dangerous thing it is literally the switch from news as news to news to as entertainment in entertainment exactly and it's all diana yeah mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And we have absolutely seen that happen. That is, yeah. full, we have fully converted to entertainment yep. news. Entertainment or, news. There is no. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting down to find out what happened today. No, it is all entertainment. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's uh, it's interesting, and and it goes back to a line that uh, Howard Beale says earlier in the Mad Prophet <laughs> kind of you know when they sort of changed the format of the show yeah from the news desk and everything like that to actually being sort of the oh my god the the, <laughs> the soothsayer and all that yeah is, 
Oh, man. Anyway, uh, where he says, um, the only truth any of you know is what comes out of this tube. Yes. And that seems to be true for Diana. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah, so she, it, she doesn't know how to discern fact or fiction. Um, so she's just making them both the same thing. Yeah. I mean, she has this weird obsession with um, a soothsayer, so she puts her on TV as well. I mean, the whole thing when it keeps circling around to da da da, yeah. the soothsayer. I'm like, oh, that is pure Diane. Yeah, <laughs> that and is then all they Diane. Have, and then they have, you know, a gossip person, the keyhole thing. Yes. And then they have the supposed actual facts, which is just polls. Yeah. You know, and we see pollster stuff all the time now, too. Yeah. Why and is the polls wrong? Because they don't aren't depends a, on who answers you yes. know i mean it's a, it depends on who's willing to answer yeah and, and this whole um, thing because it's always they always call landlines and i know in australia and it's always wondering why why does australia seem more conservative they're not calling your mobile and if you do no one's picking up because no one knows yeah. that number <laughs> exactly i've been starting to get texts from like polling service yeah which is weird so yeah because they, yeah, because if you, yeah, because if you don't know the number, they're going to try and sell you something. So it's yeah. like, I'm not picking that up. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's very hard to kind of get an actual broad kind of respect of kind of what's actually happening. But yeah, you're right. The only kind of fact-based one is a poll and that's mm -hmm. not real. That's still an opinion. So it's yeah. kind of, mm -hmm. yeah, it, that show does look like fun. I, I admit I might go to that just to sort of see the train. Sure. Down. But sure, sure. Yeah. And we live in the more fractured our media has become, the more truer network becomes, which I find fascinating because it's all about TV. Mm -hmm. So much about TV. I mean, the amount of times per share is said, I think you could die drinking to that. Um, yeah. I think Diana says it like six times in every scene <laughs> she's in. Um, as right. you said, it's a dirty talk. Like, yeah. Like, it is so relevant in terms of the more niche we've got, yeah, the more separate we've become and we're not mm -hmm. taking in even the same facts anymore. And it's right. And it's they're all mad prophets. Like right. every everyone wants to be the mad prophet now, which uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand yep. why. Because you just I, <laughs> everyone needs to we we talked about the movie Vengeance. Uh, the show hasn't aired yet, but uh, there's uh, some some of the sort of modern versions of I think what network of that apply to network have come out. You know when it's talking about social media mm. in that movie. <clears throat> um, but I forgot where I was going with that. Mm. But one of the things that I really like is towards the end when you have is I think it's essentially the breakup scene between Max and Diana. Yeah. He says he basically calls her the human version of television. Yes. He says, says the institution of television destroys everything mm. or reduces everything to banality. Yeah. And you see that uh and and this was 1976. All of the studios were being taken over by corporations. Mm -hmm. So Gulf and Western took over Paramount. MCA took over Universal. But the thing is, MCA was at least like a talent agency. Yeah. You know, I mean, but now it's, it's what, Comcast or, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's, it's just a News Corp and Disney. Everything mm -hmm. is that now. Everything is one of these corporations and the, and literally 
the entertainment studios have become corporations. Yeah. I mean, when Nip Beatty's giving his speech, mm-hmm. it's similar to what something like Bob, Bob Iger would yeah. say. He doesn't and, see he doesn't see the world and countries. He sees yep. broadcasting opportunities, currencies, how much they're gonna make on the new Mandalorian, how many more subscribers, mm-hmm. even though Disney That's Plus right. is losing money because all streaming services lose money. But yep. it is um how much the parks are making, what's going on with this, da da da. Yeah, sure. it's all about how you but, Yeah, it's the brand. <laughs> exactly. But I think everything being reduced to banality is happening in across the spectrum as yeah. far as movies go now as far, as far as all entertainment goes i mean because it's all run by the same few things yeah and if all of your i mean for example i mean i i grew up loving star wars mm. but now star wars is just the same it's not special anymore no all you're you're just releasing content. Yes. I remember how exciting it was when Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out. And you watch those first two, especially, and you go, Wow, this is just style. Yeah. You know, there's more style in this movie's little finger than there is in Avengers whole body. And then you watch I, uh and, and and I know that people are gonna push back on me for but I don't I don't find Marvel movies that interesting. They're all the same. They kind no. of are. I think they, they used to be different. Take, they they did, did used to be different. And now it's well, yeah, I mean, my problem. They're all they're just muddled yeah. up into the same thing. And I'm not Well, you started when you started with Iron Man, <clears throat> John Favreau, and then you had Batman with uh, Christopher Nolan, they had a voice. They were yeah. different. They were unique, but then it just sort of got filtered through these things where you then you take, you know, Chloe Zhao, who makes the best picture winner from a few years ago, uh in No. Oh, I think Eternals this, does have her personality ha- in it. And I think that's why oh, okay. people revolted. <laughs> I like Eternals. <laughs> I haven't I haven't and I haven't seen it, I'll admit. It's I haven't not seen it, but, yeah, it's not a Marvel but, movie. But, but you feel like you've taken that <clears throat> voice. And I thought this was true. I, I was excited to see Sam Raimi make another movie. That was the point I was going to make. You yeah. are happy so for the you, scraps they allowed him to have instead yeah. of making the whole thing his. Yeah. And then you watch the movie and you go, maybe that's a better, you know, that the, the Spider-Man 2 mm. is, is Sam Raimi to the core. Yeah. Where the multiverse of madness is, you know, it's got. A little Moments. veneer, a little veneer of Sam Raimi, on. Mm. and um, it, it's just kind of like it's you, you see that those voices, those daring voices that we had. Even look at the '90s. The '90s was sort of a resurgence of that with Tarantino and PTA. It and was, but it was controlled like by that. Miramax. I mean, they had to change. It, they mm-hmm. had to change the voting rules purely because of what they were doing and how they were getting. Sure. So they. Uh, but you know, but you had specific voices. Yes, I mean, you, you did. The they knew they were smart enough others. to go. Well, yeah. Yeah, and, and but but uh, and you know. Even the 80s, you had some in the 80s. I mean, John Hughes, you knew what a John Hughes movies was, even yeah. if you, whether you liked it or not is up to you. But, mm. you know, whereas I, I feel like so much of what is, it was, I remember, I think it was when they were talking DC a while ago, the few years, and then the head of the 
company of Warner Brothers was talking about content instead of movies, that it just kind of struck me as like, that's all we're producing now. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, I mean, Bob Iger, you listen to him. That's what he's saying. Feige used to talk about movies. Now he talks about content. Like it's not the sort of thing, but there was a thing when the news, it was a news story in Rolling Stone. And of course, because it was about Jimmy Kimmel, he talked about it. And um, he talked about how Donald Trump was so annoyed with his jokes that he talked to Disney to rein him in. It wasn't ABC. It wasn't his producer. He went to the company that owned um, Jimmy Kimmel's late night talk show. Um, And that is network. It is. Yep. Yeah. That is what network is. It is, Mm -hmm. it is um, the controlling forces that actually run the country or run our country. And like I've heard the argument that Netflix is woke. No, Netflix wants to work in multiple countries. So it has to have its yep. own. So they decided instead of a country giving the quota of localized product that they have to make, again, content, they had to go in and start making countries and putting money into those production. They couldn't just show. So it's not about, oh, they're being all this. No, they just want to make money. And mm-hmm. that's what you do. It's Ned Beatty's speech of there are no yeah, well, Ned, Ned Beatty's speech isn't exactly true because one Enron, which I did almost put Enron, the smartest guys in the room, as a trailer. Because <laughs> if you want to see a corporation just inwardly implode, that is an amazing documentary. And you're just like, sure. how these? How do these guys get up in the morning? I don't, they're not, is Bob Iger going to get his multi-billion dollar bonus at the end of the year? Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And that is Ned Beatty. It's like, though I do love how he won't let them take them off the air because he likes the show. <laughs> I know. That is hilarious. <laughs> so, so their option is they have to kill him. That scene is pure gold. It is. Robert Duvall it, just goes, "Well, we have to kill him then." <laughs> Everyone's like, "Okay." <laughs> just how how cavalier they are about it all. One guy goes, "You don't have a microphone," and then he doesn't answer. He just says, "Are we going to kill him?" So he might have a microphone, <laughs> but he's implicating himself. It's it's amazing. And just the coldness of that. Uh, and then and then at the end, when everything, he gets shot, and he's, they show him dead there, and it kind of gets shown on every channel, but every, then every channel just goes to commercial. Yeah, because they're bored. It's not even mm-hmm. like the howling when it's, oh, shit, we need to cut to commercial because right. we're traumatizing people, or this is like a big thing we can't let people know. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, he's still dead? Okay, cut to commercial. Like that's- Exactly. It's, this is why I think the Joker should have ended with, um, this is why I have many issues with the Joker, but one of them is after he's assassinated, spoilers for the Joker, by the way, after he's assassinated, he's shot um, De Niro and it goes to commercial. Like everyone's just, that's when the movie should have ended. It shouldn't have Mm -hmm. had that 15 minute, 20 minute thing afterward. It should have just ended there, been true Scorsese, been true network and just gone. Yeah. That's that's it. Um, but they didn't because Warner Brothers does content and has to put in the goddamn murder of friggin' Bruce Wayne's parents again. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I find again, you know, maybe it's just the MO of movies now, they have to be 20 minutes too long. They do. Yes. Yeah. Network knew when to end. Beals dead. And I was watching Done. I was watching uh uh, a movie yesterday that I hadn't seen before, The Hired Hand, uh, Peter Fonda's oh, yeah. movie. yeah. 
it was a really good movie. And the way it ended, I was like, that's it. That's that's it. The, the, Cause that was one of the things where it's like, that was so bold of movies in the seventies and the sixties. Person you know, dies. Particularly, the end. <laughs> particularly in the seventies. Yeah. I think that was just like, they had the boldness to end it before there was a real resolution. Yes. They did it a bit too much yeah. in the eighties. They pushed back on that a little bit to give you a yeah. bit more of an ending. Cause I do know when I watched the ending to 110th street, I had to rewind it three times. Cause I was like, wait, what just happened? And then the movie just cuts to black straight after that ending. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, wait, what? So I think it's they did it. Because it was a, it was a. It was a nihilistic time. I mean, Nixon it was. was doing shit. <laughs> yeah. um, Gerald Ford was a wimp. I mean, and not, we did just refuse to prosecute Nixon when he should have. Seventies was a wild time. <laughs> it, was it was, and you know, some, and part of me feels like we're there are elements of it that we're oh, yeah. experiencing now. I and think it comes back can, every so often. Yeah, you can see that a little bit in some of the movies that are kind of surprisingly yeah. successful lately yes you know it is stuff that's a little darker i mean when you have a movie like terrifier 2 just sort of take off out yeah. of nowhere when um, you were talking about how all movies are the same now that's why i keep going back to horror mm -hmm. because yeah. even though i don't horror I, refuses refuses absolutely just refuses yeah. to do that i mean i didn't love terrifier 2 it's probably a movie that's going to grow on me. I can already tell. Like, I've already want to watch it again. I'm like, that movie's yeah. two and a half hours long. It's, it's long. But, yeah. but I will watch it through. I bet my most watched movie on Letterboxd, apart from Spotlight, is it too. So I, I don't know what that means. Um, speaking of a yeah. three-hour clown movie. Yeah, I keep going back to horror because they absolutely refuse to do that. And it is making money. And I think mm -hmm. this year, last year was the first year that Marvel wasn't solely the taking over yeah. everything i mean you well, did i mean a... uh top gun maverick was huge that was and then, yeah of course tom cruise was gonna save cinema <laughs> sure and then and then avatar of course and avatar you know. yeah uh, i love how everyone says that movie's not gonna make money i'm like have you not yeah. seen a james cameron movie i mean <laughs> it happens every but at the same time, time i know i know and i haven't seen that uh to be honest it's I, a good I, movie it's very if I, you like titanic you will like avatar too oh okay <laughs> But it's um, it's interesting that, but still, so much of what's coming out is IP, um, and continues to be, which is you know okay uh, as, as long horror. as you do some, well, as long as you do something with it, you know. Yeah. Um, Barbarian came out, and that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, horror refuses and smile. And smile, um, mm. horror refuses to do that. So I think there is. I just this year, even though. Avatar and Maverick are still completely IP. It felt like a chink in the armor of like going back to old fashioned blockbusters. It did. They I don't know more, if that. Yeah. I don't know if that trend is going to continue, but it was a nice thing to we'll see. see. Um, but Network kind of again just digs in on that. I mean, I love the beginning when you have you start with he's Beal already knows he's been fired, so Max mm -hmm. is taking him out for like a consoling drink. They get drunk, they pass out of the bar. And then he says, I'm going to kill myself. And I love the moment when he goes on air and he says it and no one notices for five No minutes. one notices, yeah. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you can tell everyone's checked out. This No one cares about the show. No one cares about this man. And yeah. it's when he sort of says this cry for help, which it is. I mean, even when he says, I'm going to kill myself, Max doesn't hear him. Like he's doesn't take it in. And yeah. it's only when he says it on TV and then they start clicking. 
and they take a ver- a man who is obviously ill and exploit him to the hilt. And yep. then they're surprised when he starts biting the hand that feeds it. It is very, yep. um, this stuff goes, still goes on today. It is, it, I don't, I don't know if it's just never changed or we just, because everything's so loud, we're just noticing it more. But I love the fact that it takes a few moments for them to go, wait, did he just, and they're talking about it. Like they can't yeah. go back and read the tape because it's live. So right. they're kind of like, wait, did he just say he's going to kill himself? Wait, what? Well, and, the, and, he's the going woman, on, and he's going on yeah. with this thing. Like, it's just like, <laughs> And when the woman in the control room, the one she says, you know, uh, Howard just said he was going to kill himself. It's just matter of fact. Yeah. There's nothing like, oh, my God, he said he's going to kill himself. You know, there's nothing like that at all. No. So this movie never there's no dissent in this movie, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Everyone. There's no arc. The only arc is Howard Beale saying he's going to kill himself goes through this whole thing and then gets shot at the end by the ELA because that is going to be the pilot for their for their terror for their show. show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. which is just the cherry on the. I'm just like, oh my god, this 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 is yeah. a movie where you have to laugh because it's so tragic. It's like a yeah. true tragedy. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing you can do, and and the and the assassination itself is so banal. It it's really cool. is. Yeah, it really so, is. Yeah. Good movie. It, it kind of made me the the other two movies. There were two more movies. Three. Yeah, I thought a face in the crowd. Yeah, I still need to see that. Yeah, yeah, that that one's well worth seeing. I thought uh, Christine, the one starring Rebecca Hall. Oh yes, I have seen that. She's amazing in that. True, true story of uh, you know, and that was sort of what the howling thing was based on too. Oh, of course, cause the only because she did kill herself. She, on, she actually yeah. shot herself on on screen. Yeah, but but also maybe it's because I wrote an article on it, but uh, video drove uh yep is is probably um you know it's a genre film but it like network is so prescient about what television was to become yes that it <sighs> it was already happening i mean i think david mm-hmm. Cronenberg was smart to look at cable tv and going oh yep. they can do anything there is yep. no boundaries and mm-hmm. when david cronenberg is at his prime is when he's making a movie where boundaries don't exist that's like, right and the, yeah and also because i had that as well i also yeah i had ace in the hole i had um mm-hmm. sunset boulevard um because i just think it's a good the bookend for uh billy holden um I think, I think I had um, yeah, Force of Evil. I also had Broadcast News. It's kind of like a hey, yep. this mm-hmm. is what we want our news to be like. Even that's, when that's right, that's even, a much nicer movie. <laughs> even when they are talking about news, isn't then that movie is about news as entertainment. The whole reason that um, mm-hmm. oh, what's his name um, gets hired to be the news anchor yep. is yep. because he's handsome and people want to watch him. And then you have yeah, William, Hurt. Yeah. William Hurt, mm-hmm. and then you have the well. There are two Albert Brooks, um, Albert Brooks yeah. scenes that are amazing. One is when he's on Quaaludes in um, one, one Romance, and the other is when he's bombing so hard while reading. Oh, the, the, the sweating. <laughs> the sweating yeah. is yeah. Um, just fantastic. And I think even though they're dealing with the same issues, it's still how you want a news organization mm-hmm. to run. It's more about the reporters making the decisions on what is aired. It sure. is not... Deval coming in after death and going, well, I'm running everything now. And yeah. um, so you, I've decided I like Faye Dunaway. Um, though before we finish up, Max keeps saying he's in love with Diane. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's 
because obviously this is a man who's cheated on his wife before. He obviously has form. As soon as she he walks into her, the, as soon as she walks into his office, he's like, pretty young woman. What yeah. do you think is it about that actually he falls in love with? Because he's fully aware at the beginning this woman has no soul. Like he even says to his wife, I'll probably come back to you because this is not going to work out. Which is a devastating thing to hear when your husband is telling you he's in love with another woman. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's because she's young and pretty yeah. more than anything. Uh, she yeah. remind she reminds her ambition reminds him of something he's lost. I think. Yeah. Um. So I I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Yeah, because but watching it this time, I sort of wondered why because he's the character that purports to have emotion that has dignity that has. Mm-hmm like a line he will not cross, which he then proceeds to cross every single line he said he would not cross. Um, but even in his final speech, because this movie has all the speeches, but in his final kind of when they're breaking up, he sort of says to her, and he's like, but you've been saying this from the beginning. You knew what she was. As yep. soon as you walked into the office and sort of said his thing, he clocked her exactly. He knew what he was. But yeah, I think it's because she's young, pretty, and he misses that ambition. So yeah. It's just so dev- more, even more devastating when he's basically saying to Beatrice straight, you know, I'm in love with another woman, but I know it's not going to work out. So I will be back. Like I'm going to have, and that's got to be like the worst thing to hear. Like, oh yeah. no, I love another woman, but I'm going to come back because she's going to dump me. Like this is what's going to happen. It's yeah, it's pretty dark stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that hearing from your partner. I'm yeah, leaving you. Awful. Yeah. But I'm coming back. Because you mm-hmm. are my second choice. That's not something. No, you that's not good. No. <laughs> <laughs> not good. No. Um, anything else you want to say about Network? Because I got very excited about this movie. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> so much uh, oh. that could be said. And I think, you know, I, I kind of wanted to try and focus on just that, you know, that being taken over by the uh, the corporations and the banality of it. And um this movie's so banal. I love the fact yeah. that it is not boring for a second and you're completely entranced, but this movie is banal beyond belief. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to how good this thing is. It's trying to show the trying to show the 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 you know the television what you know I I I mean just just how content becomes banal. Um, yes. Th- through when when it's sort of taken away from the creatives and put into the hands of the corporation. The, when they're trying what, when they're trying um, to find a replacement yeah. for Beale, but still have the Mad Profit show, and they cannot find anyone, right, that's mm-hmm. going to fit the show. And so that's when they went, well, we just have to kill him. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, um, Beatty won't take him off the air because he likes the show. So he's God. So right. kill. We just, the angels have to kill the prophet because God doesn't want him to go. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that's what I think draws it, connect, draws the connection to Wayne's world is, you know, just what, when you take the soul out of what something is supposed to be. Um, and, you know, I, as cynical as I know I can be kind of cynical about sort of the state of film and everything. Um, but there's some lots of good stuff out there too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. If you don't like Marvel movies, there are so many more movies you can That's right. watch. That's right. Other countries. And you know, Mar- make, there yeah. are, and there are oh, good, I like, there as I said, are I like good the things about Marvel movies. Yeah. I like the Eternals. Yeah. I like that first batch. I there's a couple of movies I really like. I just, mm-hmm have gotten a bit disillusioned after Endgame because I sure. think 
there's a, oh, we're just going to make it all content now. I think that's when the definitive line sure. was. It's when they're brought in the shows. It's when I'm like, I don't care about these new kids coming up. You haven't given mm-hmm. me a reason to care about them like you did Iron Man or Captain America. Sure. Like, there is nothing yeah. for me to connect to with this young. Well, actually, except for Florence Pugh. That's because Florence Pugh is one of the best actors working at the moment. Right, right. <laughs> And frankly, I'm I'm getting to an age where there's just not enough time to watch no. something like that anymore. No, I, I can't watch... I can't catch up with all of the con the the TV shows plus the movies that are three plus hours long, and I I just can't do it all. Dan and I forgot the new Mandalorian. Dan loves the Mandalorian. Even we sure. lost track of what that was coming out. Um, I haven't even watched that. Yeah. Uh, so. No. Yeah, I live with the Mandalorian freak, so that's that's definitely on. Um, but he doesn't watch all the Star Wars stuff but it is yeah we live in the world of network <laughs> yeah and we have I done think we're there very, i think we've lived there for a very long time i think i think so too yeah i, 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 I think at think least at least uh in in the world you know since cable sort of became a major force yeah at least um because it just kind of turned our you know, starting with the news, kind of CNN and, and et cetera, became sort of a 24-hour entertainment, mm. you know, thing. Um, and it's just gone from there. Yeah. I mean, Paddy Jayevsky said he was just writing about what was happening. So I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think this is new, but I even yeah. think that when the when corporations really started buying stuff, which was in the 70s, that's yeah. when it all started to come together. So, um, yep. no, we live in the world that network kind of stated, like this is, yep. this is the reality. And I, and even if you're just noticing it now, doesn't mean that it hasn't been happening for a very long time. So it's sure. not, yeah, it's, it's the world we live in, unfortunately. Um, and to end on that very sour note, actually, no, Network is actually a really funny movie. You will giggle. It is. It throughout, is. It's very and entertaining. You, and you will feel bad about it because these are dark jokes throughout. Yeah. But the whole meeting with the ELC is the greatest thing ever. Like, it is yeah. so goddamn funny. He's it's just, really funny. There's that scene when he walks in, you see the head of this um, heavy communist terrorist movement, and he's eating KFC, I think is the funniest thing to me. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. <laughs> He's neat. He's he's um elbow deep in a bucket of chicken, and that makes and, and um which is also a racist thing, but it is also a capitalist thing, which I yeah very much enjoy. But um before we go, please tell people where they can find your good work. Okay, uh well uh you can find my writing on bloody disgusting and manner vellum, and you can find me on Twitter sometimes uh at Brian Waves forty two. Uh, but uh, more importantly, you can find our show, uh, which is Movies for Life, uh, where we do double features, me and my uh, co-host, Michelle Egan, who's going to be on this show as well. Yes. Um, very soon. And she uh, and I have a great time picking movies, talking about movies. And um, we've had Lindsay on to talk Jurassic Park. So if you haven't heard that episode, you should. I got way too excited. So thank yeah, you for putting up was- with me. <laughs> That, was a, that episode was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Mm. And uh, yeah, so you can find that on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Life Pod. Uh, and you can find the show wherever you find your podcast. No, please listen to it. It is an amazing show. Those doubles are getting shaggier and shakier, and I am all for it. Like, keep doing what you're doing because it's so much fun. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. 
Um, yeah, Chuck and Orr's on all the pods. Um, speaking of which, doing the network thing, please rate and review, but only if you've got something good to say. Um, sure. <laughs> sorry, I should cut that out. But no, <laughs> listen to Shock and Awe. I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. But it is, yeah, but you can also find me on Twitter, Shock and Awe One, and Instagram, Shock and Awe One. And you can also find me on Reading Geek on Twitter. That feels so much corporate after talking about network for an hour. I know. Well, I know. we're not corporate. We're all, pri- <laughs> we're very, very private organizations we're, we're here. We're way more Wayne's world than we're we are. Individual. No, we're individuals. We're yeah. Um, misfits yeah. who can only fit into this one little corner of the world and yeah. um yeah go the wayne's world vibe more than the network vibe but yeah we will be back with another double feature all right thanks guys bye bye, bye.